Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. And a very good morning to you. This is Mick Mulcahy, Neil Prendeville, returning on Monday morning. Now then, the morning papers, no mask, no class. The big stark headline on the Mirror front page. Children aged over nine must now wear face coverings to school. Parents have been warned that pupils could be refused entry to lessons. The uh, general ethos here, I think, is get to Christmas, recalibrate, uh, and see where we're going from there. There is talk of schools closing after Christmas, but let's not preempt anything, will we? School kids over the age of nine will be required to wear masks from today, or they could be refused entry to school. Official guidelines issued by the Department of Education last night state parents will need to provide a medical certificate for exemption, although I believe that the discretion of the school principal uh, can be brought to bear as well because they'll know the, uh, the child intimately more than the rules could cater for. Refusing a child to enter school is effectively, effectively suspending a child, says Simon Lewis, the principal of Carlow Educate Together School. Meanwhile, all uh, passengers from Friday entering Ireland will need a negative COVID-19 test result as part of restrictions to combat rising cases. Uh, It's all over the papers. There's uh, scarcely another story. Christmas target for schools. Uh, Taoiseach urges care as the virus spreads. Micheál Martin is aiming to recalibrate and review how we deal with the next semester. Uh, As a teacher himself, or a former teacher himself, I suppose, uh, I know he probably feels it's important to get the... uh, the uh, Christmas season and get to that point, uh, if not uh, for the safety of the children, I suppose allied to this yeah, the safety of the economy. Keep people working, take the Christmas break and then recalibrate. But Michal Martin yesterday told the Doyle that the target when it comes to schools is to get to the Christmas break. Uh, the Taoiseach made the comments as new rules and mask wearing for children uh, were clarified yesterday amid rising rates of the virus in primary school aged children. Who would have thought one year later we'd be here again? Do you remember the relaxing of conditions last Christmas and then the sudden sharp shutdown uh, just as Christmas passed uh, into a very bleak New Year's Eve and New Year? And here we seem to be again. Parents are being asked to prioritise their children's activities minimising indoor community gatherings and indoor mixed household gatherings, reducing the risk of exposure to the virus by opting for outdoor activities instead of indoor and reducing the number of children involved in any particular activity. Schools to tell pupils to mask up or go home, says the Mail's front page today. Parents and teachers shocked by the severity of the rushed rules as the CMO, the chief medical officer, warns of a case surge in five to 11-year-olds. Just a personal observation, but why did they remove the, uh, you know, the complex nature of tracing uh, around children six weeks ago if they were close contacts? That all stopped. And now there's a massive surge in children. You'd wonder, wouldn't you? Children who refuse to wear masks, says the male, uh, will not be allowed to attend school. The frights before Christmas is the headline, along with a picture of Michal Martin on the front page of the Sun. Travel plans and reopening of schools after Christmas were cast into doubt yesterday as the government announced new COVID-19 measures, including arrivals to Ireland, now needing a negative COVID test from Friday onwards. Christmas plans at risk after new travel curbs. Passengers from all countries must provide a negative COVID test to be allowed entry, says the Indo's front page today. Christmas travel plans thrown into doubt. Tens of thousands of people planning to travel to Ireland over the coming weeks will have to ensure they have a negative COVID-19 test before they arrive, even if they are vaccinated. The move will cause significant angst for people planning visits home to see family and those jetting off for short breaks over the festive period. The new rules could leave fully vaccinated passengers stranded in foreign countries if they can't produce a negative test 
before coming home. A lot of people, I think, will cancel their uh, their trips altogether. Depending on local rules, people could be forced to extend their stays abroad for up to 10 days if they test positive. Theatre hoping COVID, COVID won't uh, be the panto villain. Uh, this is uh, in the Echo today uh, for the 1st of December. Uh, Martha Brennan reporting that while most pantomime characters are scared to look behind them, the organisers behind some of the county's most popular productions are much more fearful about what might be in front of them after parents were advised by government to reduce socialisation indoors for children and limit attendance at indoor gatherings. The Everyman Palace Theatre and Artistic Director Sophie Motley uh, is pictured there uh, in the Echo and it was a bit of a gamble to put on a panto this year but it was really important for us to do it uh, for the audiences and for the artists. People love the panto and they've been looking forward to it. Cork is a pantomime city, uh, she said. Staying with the Echo, and the CUH is one of the country's most overcrowded hospitals. There are 726 patients on trolleys. New figures show that Cork University Hospital was one of the most overcrowded hospitals in Ireland last month. A total of 726 people waiting on trolleys in the hospital in November. And despite calls from the HSE Chief Executive Paul Reid on November 19th for hospitals to cancel elective procedures, the figure is up from 688 in October. Staying with uh, more of the news in the morning papers, and the Echo also has eyewitness recalls hearing women say, that's what you get, you got off light. An eyewitness in a Cork murder trial heard a woman saying to the man lying covered in blood in the hallway of the house in Bandon Road, that's what you get, you got off light. Emily O'Sullivan, a student, was returning home after a walk around the lock when she saw a man outside a bungalow on Bandon Road. I think he had a hand up to his face and his hand up to the wall. He was very distressed. As I walked closer, there was a woman inside the door having a mumbling conversation to the body on the ground. I thought it was some sort of family dispute. On the floor right beside the front door was a very large man with his feet towards the door on his side. I only looked for a second. It was covered in blood. He was lying lengthways in the hall. The full story by Liam Halen. Uh, in uh, today's evening echo. Pajama-clad intruder got stuck between the doors of Lidl, says the examiner at Clash Dove in Toker. A pajama-clad midnight intruder at a Lidl supermarket in Cork City forced her way through a set of double doors, but then got trapped between those doors and another set. When Gardaí were alerted by an alarm at the Clash Dove Road store and went to investigate, they found the woman still caught between the two sets of doors of the supermarket. Sergeant Pat Lyon said at Cork District Court, she got stuck between the two of them. Elizabeth Cash, aged 35, of Copley Hall, Copley Street in Cork, pleaded guilty to the charge of burglary at the premises just before midnight on July 16th. Shane Collins, daily defence counsellor, said legal management contacted Gardaí and said an alarm had been activated at their premises, which had been closed since 10pm. Gardaí arrived and met Miss Cash. She had gone in the outside door and uh, caught between the outside door and the inside door. The guard saw a female trying to get through the second set of doors. She was wearing pyjamas and a hoodie and two odd shoes and she was intoxicated according to reports. The Echo event centre could get underway by March according to City Councillor. Uh, they, they should put that in the pantomime. When is it going to get started? March! Oh no it won't. Uh, Cork City Council has said there's a huge confidence that construction on the city's long-awaited event centre will get underway in March 
or April. Speaking to the Echo Fine Gael Councillor Des Cahill said over the last two months, he had learned from a number of sources, most of whom are not political, but who are involved in the project, that construction looks set to commence in the spring. Don't hold your breath. Jules dumped me by letter. Uh, that uh, She got a pal to write. Ian Bailey's shock at how partner ended romance is in the Irish Daily Mirror today. Mind the pay gap on purse on post is the first to have equal wage for all workers. They've been striving for this for a number of years. On post, however, has become the first major company here to have no gender pay gap for their employees. The postal service has brought down the pay difference from 3.7% to 0% in just two years. They said this is in comparison to an 11.3% gender gap across this country. And the group said that for the first time in their history, women earn marginally more than men. Their report comes as they plan to hire more female postal delivery staff. On posts, Eleanor Nash said, traditionally, our sector is more male-oriented. To overcome this, we uh, launched several initiatives to encourage more female participation and progression into senior roles at On Post, such as encouraging female colleagues to put their hand up for opportunities to progress under new software to remove gender bias from role profiles, developing gender balance shortlists, promoting flexible working arrangements and developing Aspire, our female talent acceleration program. But congrats to OnePost for eliminating the pay gap. Phil Collins' son is guilty of drug driving near Killarney. Rock star Phil Collins' son has been disqualified from the road for one year and fined €400 Euro after testing positive for cocaine while driving in Kerry. And Christmas time for the Irish overseas. Uh, says the Mirror today, homesick expats long for pints down the local and for tato crisps. Drinking in the local, midnight mass and horse racing on Stephen's Day are the things Irish expats miss most about spending Christmas at home. With around one million Irish-born people living abroad and many not returning, new research has shown what home comforts migrants may be pining for the most. When asked what Irish Christmas traditions people miss when spending Christmas away from home, the local pub comes out on top. Uh, but a whopping 63% of respondents said festive drink, uh, drinks in the local and up there as well was the old bag of Mr. Tato. Just to finish on a lighter note, the uh, newspaper review today, the British Prime Minister said he is a, quote, devotee, unquote, of Tato Crisps and joked that his figure is a testimonial to the benefits of the Irish popular snack. Boris Johnson was hosting a festive food and drink market at Downing Street where 12 businesses had stalls to show off their products. Among the businesses shown their wares were Tato, uh, Welsh cheese company Snedonia Cheese, Scottish seafood company Lockfine Oysters and English chocolate company Montezuma's. Speaking on the street about the business on display, Mr Johnson said, From Northern Ireland, we've got Tato Crisps. I'm a devotee. I thought Tato were Irish, not Northern Irish, but there you go. Uh, My figure is a testimonial to the benefits of Tato Crisps. They once gave me, which I declared, of course, political gift, a big packet of Tato Crisps. As the third large manufacturer of crisps in the UK, Tato's crisp production is made from 100% Irish and UK potatoes. And Tato have been making crisps and snacks since 1956, and they export their products across the world. I see their brand is now on the Hunky Dory's brand as well. So they are obviously uh, merging and uh, making acquisitions 
in that area as well. There's travel confusion abounding, abounding, and in a moment we're going to speak to Owen Corey from Air and Travel Magazine. The Neil Prenderville Show. People arriving in Irish ports and airports will need a negative COVID-19 test from Friday. The Cabinet has agreed there are rushed measures being put through the Oireachtas. Travellers can have either a professional antigen test, not a personal one, and not one you'll buy in your local supermarket, uh, taken a maximum of 48 hours prior to arrival, or a PCR test, much more expensive, but that can uh, cover you up to 72 hours earlier. Now, the requirement for a negative test applies to all arrivals, including those from Britain, though not if you're going the other way. Uh, so there's a little bit of a discrepancy there. Owen Corey is from Air and Travel magazine and is always well informed on these subjects. Good morning, Owen. Good morning, Mick. Bit of a rush job getting all of these things in. Uh, one rule coming one way from the UK, one rule going the other way. Absolutely. It's pantomime season, but it's not funny. Um, we've really broken with the spirit of what was agreed last July to reopen travel within the European Union. The emergency brake system, which was implemented then, was to designed to cope with a situation from a country outside the European Union ran into a, a serious spike in infections or a threat and the European Union as a whole would move, we have decided to move to uh, restrict travel from other European countries, EU countries, and as you say, very much a rushed job. Okay, and uh, I was just going to harp on that point, actually. The spirit of this agreement has been broken yesterday by Ireland. Very much. Um, you know, the European Commission looked in dismay at what happened the day before. Uh, we, we were the last to sign up for this. We signed up several weeks after everybody else. We introduced it several weeks after everybody else. We did uh, the famous uh, mandatory hotel quarantine in January. We were the only country in Europe to do that. So generally on travel, we've been sort of the laggards. We've been dragging our heels on reopening uh, travel or getting people moving again after COVID. But this, um, we weren't the first to jump on this. Portugal jumped, but Portugal, uh, as listeners may know, had a very spectacular incident over the weekend at the Belenchese's uh, mm-hmm. Benfica match. 7-0 at halftime, had to be abandoned second half. Uh, Belenchese's had 13 cases of the new variant, but um, you know, uh, 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 the Prime Minister uh, <coughs> Costa on uh, the day before yesterday uh, introduced a measure that, you know, very restrictive measures, things like you will now need to be uh, have proof of a test to get into nightclubs and things like that but they also introduced tests for uh, uh, for people travelling into Portugal now that came before the cabinet yesterday we decided to go along with it the European Commission looking with dismay at what's happened in two of its countries because this is the first test of the coherent travel policy that was agreed across Europe to keep us moving as a unit we're supposed to be a 27 country unit not 27 countries running off in, each, in, in different directions every time they come uh, any sort of obstacle appears. Okay. Now then, this begs an awful lot of questions. Uh, Let's kick into them. A lot. If if you're unlucky enough to test positive in the country you were visiting, would you be denied entry to Ireland or given access to the plane even? No, absolutely not. It doesn't matter whether you've got a test or not. If you've got COVID symptoms, you're not flying. It's it just um, you you get everybody doesn't read the um, the flash that comes up on your mobile phone when you're checking in. But among the questions you have to answer is: Have you any symptoms, or have you are you suffering from? Do you think you're suffering from COVID? Okay. You're absolutely not. So any negative test, you're not flying. You're you're staying in the country until you're clear and you have a positive test. Okay. So if you test positive uh, while intending to come back to Ireland, would you then have to quarantine for a fortnight, maybe ten days, five days? in the country you were in? 
It depends on the local regulations, but generally uh, anybody who tests positive for COVID is quarantining across Europe. Okay, but in the UK you would get in. As as I understand, the rule is to test and quarantine on arrival from the UK. Well, the interesting thing about the UK, and Boris Johnson said to speech on Saturday night, is that he is testing everyone arriving. Basically, the UK uh, saying we don't trust anybody else's system. So, you know, you test at the airport or within one day. And uh, if you test positive, obviously, the quarantine applies. Okay. Now, if you're travelling as a couple or a family, what happens if only one person in your party tests positive? It doesn't affect the other party except in this one key, uh, important area for the consumer. Most insurance policies now uh, allow you to postpone and uh, claim if one, if a direct partner uh, tests positive. So it, let's say there are two together, um, the, the insurance policies cover your direct partner. Now they can cover uh, direct relatives, close relatives. They don't tend to cover every member of a, of a football team or a gang of lads going to Santa Ponza. Okay. Now, if you're travelling to the UK for a weekend, a sports event or something, a short stay like many people do, a bit of shopping or whatever, would you be able to take your PCR test in Ireland before you leave? Very much. PCR is uh, 72 hours, so you will get over and back to Old Trafford. Um, with you, um, I'm sorry, I've insulted everybody. I didn't mention Old Trafford, you must be a Man United fan. <laughs> I am, I, I am, as old sports, I'm a former sports editor, so as old sports journalist, I am completely neutral on the subject, but I do know that uh, the Manchester United-Liverpool uh, are the two uh, ones that most of the charters from Cork would go to. But anyway, um, it, it, you, will go, you will get over and back to your race meeting or whatever uh, on a 72-hour uh, PCR test, and a 48-hour antigen test also does it. The key to uh, this is if you're vaccinated, antigen will do on your return. So let's say you show up at the airport, you say, oh, I'm not tested. Uh, PCR would be a bit of a drama. You have to do it the day before antigen. You'll get your result in less than half an hour. I've got. I've been at events where you've had to be antigen tested for entry. And in some cases, you'll have the result back in seven or eight minutes. So an antigen will get you back. Don't panic if you arrive at the airport, you have to be tested. Antigen will get you home again. But you have to have been vaccinated. If you haven't been vaccinated, they will look for the PCR. Okay, see as your Man United fan, I'll just recount. I got in a bit of trouble yesterday with Man United fans for saying to Rory, our head of sport, that Ralph Ragnick had promised the board of Man United, the players of Man United and the fans of Man United that he would guarantee they would be in a major European competition next year, even if, <laughs> even if he had to write the song himself. Very clever. Very clever. I won't, I, won't, I won't join the Man United joke. I've got enough trouble down the years for that. Yeah. Okay, now big, big question. Is there a danger of Belfast becoming the back door to Ireland because you don't have to show a negative test when flying from Britain to Northern Ireland? It's a lot of trouble to go uh, to Belfast from most, uh, you know, if you're, if you, obviously if you're north of the, um, of the Dublin-Galway railway line, it's not that big a deal. It is a big deal actually from the west because the roads are terrible. Um, it's not really worth the trouble to save an antigen test, which can be a It may not be worth the trouble to save an antigen or PCR test, but may be worth the trouble to avoid mandatory quarantine. Well, you're only facing, uh, you're not getting on the flight um, if you're, if you're, um, if you've tested positive anyway. 
Uh, so, you know, it, it's not going to make a difference from mandatory quarantine. Mandatory quarantine is in for the seven countries from uh, the, the the seven countries that in around South Africa. I, mean, I was going to say in South Africa, but uh, they, they, in the southern part of the African continent, there are seven named countries, most of which don't have direct flights to the European Union. Um, but if you're coming into England from South Africa, for instance, and those three flights, uh, the two Johannesburg and the Cape Town um, are running. Uh, daily flights are running at the moment again. If you're coming into the, you are going to face that anyway uh, for arriving in the UK. So there's no question, really. It, it doesn't make an awful lot of sense okay. of using Belfast as a backdoor because the antigen test is uh, applies and it's not as expensive as the PCR. Great. Just a few more questions, Owen Corey. Very, very informative, as always. Does it seem strange to you that the government, and Simon Coveney in particular, welcomed Ireland's exemption from UK travel rules on Sunday as fantastic news, and then two days later, they introduced those same rules to GB travellers? It is absolutely beyond belief uh, that the common travel area, which is being observed to the letter of the law by Boris Johnson, sceptical as he is about... Uh, and in Europe, as he ain't... <laughs> And uh, absolutely sceptical as he is on, on everything, the protocol, everything. He's observing the common travel area to the letter of the law. We're not. And this is not the first time. Let's say, so look at locator forms. You don't need a locator form to fly to uh, Britain. You, you do in the other direction. Uh, some uh, uh, Tory MPs in the House of Commons have been uh, sounding out about this and uh, been very vociferous on how Ireland are the ones turning their back in the common travel area, not Britain. Okay, a couple of questions around antigen testing and COVID uh, traces in the system. Uh, I'm not sure if you can answer this. Does an antigen work if you had COVID three weeks ago? Would it still show traces of COVID on it? Um, the the important thing with the antigen is that your home test will not uh, suffice, and we we have no definition as to uh, what the tester's results will be. I don't actually know the specific answer to that question. That's not my field, but this is important. You're, you, the, the airline staff are the ones who are tasked with deciding: is this a home test, an antigen home test, or is it a professional test? There's no definition, Mick, a professional test. It does it have to be a doctor? Will a pharmacist do? And what happens in Bulgaria when you turn up at the gate with something in Krillica alphabet? Um, it's a really big difficulty that uh, it's not going to be um, epidemiologists or uh, microbiologists who are going to be assessing this. It's going to be someone at a gate letting someone on an aircraft uh, trying to decide whether this fits uh, the definition of a professional uh, antigen test, which the government itself has not provided. Yes, uh, which which will will cause worry, that will cause cancellations as well. What what about somebody going for their booster? It's more more likely to cause denied boarding, and that's the biggest problem for the individual passenger. Yeah, probably not your area as well, Owen Corey, but what about somebody going for a booster and (laughs) intending to get a PCR to travel a few days later? Will the booster affect the PCR, I wonder? No idea. Okay. Uh, We'll ask that to the relevant people then. Uh, Caller going to England on December the 11th, staying for 22 hours. What will they do? That would be get a PCR test and cover yourself both ways, yeah? Uh, PCR or even antigen will cover you both ways. Antigen is 48 hours. Okay. Let's look at people's general travel plans. There are people with uh, many, many family members intending to come inwards. There are people with many, many travel plans intending to head outwards before, during and after Christmas and New Year. What's the general advice to these people now? Is it, does it look like travel will still be allowed, albeit with these increased restrictions and uh, recommendations for PCR and antigen? 
what I'd hope will happen is after two weeks, this uh, thing about requiring tests will be dropped. It'll be dropped because the European Commission doesn't like it and there'll be some sort of engagement at that level. The uh, antigen test is not expensive. Uh, the PCR test, actually, it's come down on price. It used to be around 95. It's now around 40 euro uh, outbound from Ireland. But most PCR tests through Europe are much, much cheaper than they are in Ireland. So it's not... That uh, it's not, the inconvenience of a PCR test is no longer an issue because if you're vaccinated, an antigen will do. As I say, an antigen uh, result can be provided in half an hour. Don't stop travelling. It's not that big a deal. It's not that big a deal. It's the equivalent of uh, the sometimes you run into a three-hour security queue um, when the airport are short-staffed. It happened in Dublin a few months ago. It happened in Lyon to me not too long ago. You know, it's the equivalent of uh, a bad day at the airport when the queues are slow. Getting that extra uh, antigen test, don't mm-hmm. stop travelling. It's not enough a reason to not to reconnect families. Families have been waiting for 20 months to see each other. Okay, so as a travel correspondent, you were saying to people, don't alter your travel plans, stick and abide by the new rules, Uh, keep yourself as safe as possible, but travel. And, and, you know, let's behave uh, abroad as we do at home. You know, travel to, uh, from, travel to Waterford and uh, travel to Spain are pretty much the same since the advent of low-cost aviation. Sometimes uh, the flight is cheaper than a bus fare. So what, you're, um, what, what we should be doing is abiding by the rules. Local rules, uh, what the Irish Health Authorities say, what the Spanish Health Authorities say, there's little differences everywhere. But you don't walk down down Los Ramblas in Barcelona with your handbag open. Um, when you're abroad, don't put yourself in situations where you think you might get infected. Remember, almost every, we're the ninth highest in Europe. We're about two, two third, one third, uh, the top one third for infection rates. And most countries would have much lower infection rates. Spain is the second lowest at the moment. But don't put yourself in a situation where you're either exposing yourself to COVID, that's very obvious, but also exposing yourself to the rats of the health authorities. Make sure you do everything like the locator forms, all of that, and continue to travel. It's an extra inconvenience, but continue to travel. Okay, and one final question from a texter. Are over 60s advised not to travel at this stage? That's a very interesting one because the World Health Organization came out with a general uh, advice yesterday saying over 60s unvaccinated, that's a really important word, should avoid travel. Okay. That's World Health Organization advice. World Health Organization advice, by the way, is keep the routes open. They've condemned this practice of uh, stopping air, air routes to African countries as soon as a COVID outbreak occurs, a new variant occurs. Yeah, it's disincentivizing Africa to, uh, to report any further strains, I think. If, if this had happened in Brussels, I don't think they'd have cut all the routes to Brussels. No. It's almost like neocolonialism in this world. It's almost racist in the way we implement this. Okay. Different discussion altogether. But for now, over 60s advise not to travel only if they're unvaccinated. Uh, we'll, we'll park that with Manchester United in the different discussion area. <laughs> but you're absolutely right. Uh, over 60s, uh, it, it doesn't apply in Ireland. Nearly all our over 60s are vaccinated. But the World Health Organization is... Uh, advice from yesterday is over 60 to our unvaccinated should avoid travel. Okay. Owen Corey from Air and Travel Magazine, thank you as always for being always. so informative for our listeners. Always a great pleasure, mate. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Michael O'Leary, of course, the uh, boss at Ryanair has come out swinging at the uh, new restrictions and the new regulations that are being imposed. I'll look at that in a moment. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter.
at Neil Red FM. And a very good morning to you at 21 minutes to 10 o'clock. Reiner, boss Michael O'Leary has condemned the latest travel measures, uh, expected to, I suppose, approved by the government in response to the latest COVID-19 situation from Friday. Once again, people arriving in Ireland from overseas who've been vaccinated or recovered from COVID-19 will be required also to have a certified negative test. This is bound to cause queues uh, incoming at airports uh, all over the country now. Those travelling with an antigen test result will need to have obtained it within 48 hours of departure and it will have to be professionally administered. Uh, though how you can prove that, get a receipt from a pharmacy or from a doctor, I don't know. No self-administered tests will be accepted under rules agreed by Cabinet on Tuesday morning. Furthermore, air and sea carriers will be required to carry out pre-boarding checks for compliance at all ports and airports. These new measures have been approved for a minimum of two weeks, for a minimum of two weeks, and will be reviewed and removed as soon as possible. But on the confusion, and speaking about the latest measures, Ryanair CEO, Group CEO, Michael O'Leary, hit out at what he described as the latest Neffet government gobbledygook. We note, he said, that neither the CMO nor the government have defined what a professionally done antigen test means or looks like, Mr O'Leary said. How are airline or border control staff supposed to understand what a professionally done antigen test is or looks like when neither the CMO nor the government have defined it, as was just mentioned there by Owen Corrie in our interview. Uh, Mr O'Leary went on further to say there is no medical or health benefit to be gained by requiring vaccinated EU citizens to provide negative antigen or PCR tests prior to their arrival in Ireland. One of the major issues Ryanair has with the latest advice is that travel within the EU has taken place since the 1st of July using EU digital COVID certs, or DCCs, with all passengers providing either proof of vaccination, the DCC, or a negative PCR test. Ryanair is now calling on the government to abandon this latest Neffet gobbledygook and return to a simple and readily understood system, followed by most of the rest of the EU, which protects free movement of EU citizens subject only to production of an EU DCC or negative PCR test, Mr O'Leary concluded, as you would expect him to do. Now, we'll get back to uh, the business of the day at a moment, uh, but first of all, just uh, let me give you a little preamble and a little pre-shout out to our Homefront Giftware and Interiors competition, which we'll run later in the programme. So don't call us just now. Homefrontgiftware.ie is their brand new and revamped website. Uh, we have two 200 euro vouchers for the Homefront Giftware and Interiors range of shops to give away and you can do your shopping in a choice of locations because there's now six. Bandon, Carrigaline, Wilton, Middleton, Blackpool and Douglas. And we're going to give you a Christmassy style question and ask you who's going to get closest to the pin. Okay? So it's about a survey today by Tesco Ireland and we'll give you the question a little later on in the day. So we'll tell you when to uh, when to call. We'll tell you when the lines are open and it's all for home front giftware and interiors. Uh, hi lads, I'm in a serious situation regarding flying out and returning to Ireland. I'm flying out next Thursday, the 9th at lunchtime and returning on the 10th at lunchtime flying to Scotland and back. So what does that mean? I would have to get a PCR test or antigen test on the 8th of December before I fly to cover me coming home. I'm fully vaccinated also. I would be grateful if you could clarify this. Well, I think the PCR test, if you got it at the right time, uh, for instance, if you're flying at lunchtime, and this is only a personal suggestion because I've used the service before, if you're flying at lunchtime on the 9th, then uh, uh, Randox Laboratories test, if you booked it on the morning, now I stress the morning of Wednesday the 8th, uh, you should have that uh, result back by the morning of the 9th. And if you're flying back on the 10th, of course, uh, that will cover you there. You could even do it, I'd say, on the 8th, 
if you booked your PCR test, and I'm not just saying Randox, it's just the only one that I've used in Silver Springs. Uh, you book it on the 8th, uh, you fly on the 9th, uh, with, yeah, or you could even do it on the 7th, but it's, uh, it's kind of cutting it fine. The, uh, worst case scenario, of course, is you pay at both ends, uh, but you could get the PCR to go out, uh, and the antigen to come back, or vice versa, a mix of them. Uh, really, we'll have to defer to Owen Corey on that kind of thing. Now, Sean Murphy is on, on line one at breaking point. Hi, Sean. Hello, Sean. Yes, hello. Hi there. Why are you at breaking point? Well, to be honest, it's just, I think everybody's at breaking point with the same situation. And, you know, it's it's not, I'm not going to come on the radio and have a rant, uh, because I think it's just, everyone needs to know this. Okay, let's, um, let's, get, let's get to the point as succinctly as we can then. You, you're a single man, you're on the county yeah. housing list for almost a decade. Yeah. You've never been offered a place. I have never been offered a place once. Um, I have applied. I've not taken any interest in anywhere because nobody nobody was building anywhere. We moved out. I moved out here seven years ago. Uh, my friend moved out here just something somewhat sooner after, and we rented out, and it's fine. The rent out the landlord, great landlord. We're not having any problems, and. I've just been looking for housing and I've been going in constantly because I'm wondering when I'm applying for a house um, and putting it in an interest of application. There's no one getting back to me saying you didn't get it. Nothing. You're just sitting there waiting. And I'm like, there's a lot in the get going on here. So after a few revolving door phone calls, and what I do mean by that, and again, I speak for everyone here right now, I do. You're going to go through about 15 phone calls in one week waiting. You could be through 30 phone calls, the amount of waiting to put me on to somebody else, to go somewhere else, to wait for somebody else. You get there. Sorry, I'm not here. Leave a message or get back one day. It's continuous all through June, July, August. It continued. I went along and said, okay, why why are not getting, why, why are you not getting any houses? Why, why can I not get anything at all? And they turned around and said, only this week to me. And in the last two to three weeks, they've definitely that they said, we're not building houses anymore. One bedroom. We're only building two and three bedrooms. So everyone that's single that has been trying to find a place to stay for probably the best part of two years since the best part of the housing crisis that's hit us have not been told this. And we're being sent to A to B to Z to F. It's all over the place. And I actually got the information only recently on from definitely on the phone that they're not building any more houses, only two and three bedrooms. Okay, in that in that sense, do you think it's a form of discrimination? You are absolutely, you, you are in effect a family unit. It's only you and your dog, but you've chosen for whatever reason, or you are single for whatever reason. You are still a family unit, but they're building more cost-effective. Cost-effective per person, I suppose. It's more cost-effective for a bigger family to move into a, a two- or three-bedroom house and take, a, take that number off the waiting list rather than one person off the waiting list. Well, not, not alone that. It's, it's that they're treating everybody. And it is the way people had to be treated when there was a, a situation going on with war-torn countries. They're going to end up, and they are starting to do it, to treat single people, men and women, like refugees. They're not turning around saying we're going to put you into a nice area in a nice hotel. They're saying we're going to find you stable accommodation. I said, okay. And I'm in the middle of the North Main Street listening to this guy talking to me. And I said, hang on a minute. What do you mean stable accommodation? Are we talking about can I keep my dog? Well, you, you, you might have to put him into a kennel. Huh. 
I'm going, okay, coming up to Christmas, you want me to go into a hospital or somewhere like that, that you'll get me. You want my dog to go into a kennel. I'm a diabetic 27 years. I did not get the dog for fitness and a fitness instructor 12 years. I got the dog. I seriously need him for diabetes and he's worked everything to me. No, he'd probably have to stay in a kennel if we didn't get you accommodation assisted with you and your dog. He's not an Alsatian. He's a small little guy. You probably heard me roaring on the radio about him during the summer. He ran away because I had to go away on my own and he left the house looking for me. Mm. Where are you um, staying now, Sean? I'm staying in a house, a lovely house. We've been staying for seven years uh, just outside Balancholic. And is that coming uh, to an end or what? It's coming to an end, yeah. You know, it's... it's look, can, can you blame the landlords with the way they're being treated with taxes off the government and... If, if, if one person, I'm just trying to figure it out without, without even talking to any landlord, you know. But if you go along and you have a house and you're renting it out for, say, 1500 I know it's gone up, okay, that's a bit too much. Let's get back into the real world if we were all properly housed. Them houses will be going for about 1100 no, a 1000 three or four bedroom, anywhere around the outside of the city. And let's give it a 10 to 15 kilometer radius. They're turning around and saying, why why am I going to rent this house out for a year to a family whose kids will probably draw on the walls, not the dogs, whose kids will probably throw things around, mark the walls. I'm not like, they have to do it. Their kids, geez, I don't know myself, but actually what I'm talking about is the landlord has to come in after one year when they leave and go, okay, I'll have to turn about two grand into this and Mm -hmm. get a new sofa and so on. So why don't I just put it on Airbnb? So where do you go from here, Sean? Nowhere. Nowhere at the moment in 14 days. And the worst thing is that it's putting us in such a crisis, okay? This is the worst thing. It's putting everyone that's single in such a crisis. And this has been going on for, well, I'd say over two years. And they've only announced it recently, what they're doing to us. We have nowhere to go. And the places that they're putting us into, I'm telling you, I will ask for it in writing that you're going to get me out of here once the housing goes back up again. Because I can assure you, they're not going to put me into a housing estate local. It's, it's going to be somewhere up off a side street in a hostel in the city centre. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not going near it. You know, I'll sleep in the car. So what happens in two I'm weeks' not. time? <sighs> don't know yet. I don't know. I'm on the side every night I can. Um, I have no idea. The worst thing is they're keeping single people in one area. You're either in the city or the county. If you're single and there's no one building houses for you, you should be put on both city and county. The worst catastrophe after doing is after giving a choice. So when you apply for council housing, you get choices. Okay, so I'll give you an example. So let's say if I pick Chloro and someone picks um, Tripsy and they're living in Tripsy, I'm living in Chloro, but this person has just moved out of his parents' house. This is the getaway point and he can stay in Dripsy and he's on the list for let's say four years. I'm on it ten years and I'm in Cloro. I see a house in Dripsy but I want to go for it because I don't think there's anything being built. There's in nothing Cloro. else, yeah. So he gets the house, not me, because it was built in Dripsy and he has that area ticked. Well, seems to be lots of inequity there, Sean. I'm going to have to leave it there because I must take a commercial break. But listen, we're going to keep in touch with you and see how things go uh, over the next two weeks. Is there anyone who can help him or help you? I wonder. Um, there is, they're sending me out these people that can help me, but this is the story that I've given you today, and this is mm. what they're saying in return. Okay, let's let's see, let's see if anybody will contact us who might be able to help you. Uh, are you in a position to pay rent? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I will look. I, I pre-cook everything. I'm up to level six, junior, looking for a job, and 
um, I, I, I have to learn and do all this pre-cooking because I'm a diabetic, but it also definitely does save money. Okay. And i got to go, but we will keep in touch with you, Sean, all right? No problem. Thanks a million. That's okay. Okay, thanks for coming on. Cheers. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And by email to neil at redfm.ie Mick, I was wondering if you could give me some clarity on the current travel restrictions or at least find out what's going on. My wife and I are expecting our first child at the end of the year, the beginning of next. My mother-in-law was meant to be arriving in Ireland from South Africa on the 20th of December. Now South African passport holders are supposed to have a visa, which wasn't the case before. The Irish immigration in South Africa told her Ireland hasn't yet decided on what visa category they will accept, e.g. personal family reasons. But on the Irish immigration page, it has a list of the exceptions. Would I be able to get any, any clear answers on this and any help would be greatly appreciated, said Daniel. I have to pass it on there. Uh, maybe we'll uh, contact some political offices and see if we can get some clarity for you, Daniel. But I couldn't answer that one right now. On the subject of bullying, hi Mick, I was listening to your segment about Joanne being bullied and abused by her manager. I felt very angry that Joanne and her colleagues had to go through this and leaving her no option but to leave her job. I believe this man, uh, and I use the word man lightly because I can think of other names to describe this horrible human being. I hope Joanne can move on from this and I'm sure there are many employers that would jump at the chance of having a wonderful employee working for them. On a final note, this bar and its manager should be named and shamed because his bullying will continue in the future and the only way to sort him out is to hit him where it hurts and that is in his pocket. Uh, love the show and regards from Michael. Keep the calls coming on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six. You can text the show 0868104106 and the regular show email is of course neil at redfm.ie. We're back after news at 10 which is on the way on Red FM. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news and you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And listening to our interview before the news at 10 o'clock with Sean was Billy Long. Good morning, Billy. How are you, Nick? Very good. Now, you're, you're about to highlight one of the dichotomies of living here in Ireland. Uh, in that... <laughs> yeah. We have a property that's now vacant because of the fair deal system. And the, um, the lady herself is in the hospital paying just short of three grand a month. But I can't rent the house. I've got to maintain it. I've got to heat it. I've got to keep the electrics on. And now the insurance is going to become invalid because it's unoccupied. I give it to this man for 800 euro, a reasonable fee just to live in it. Mm-hmm. But just, I can't. You can't. Well, why is that? It's tied up in fair deal. Okay. The government was supposed to bring in something to release. There's hundreds of these properties. <laughs> waiting to be released that people can let out just to maintain them, nothing else. I'm not looking for profit out of it. But I have to I have to visit this house at least three times a week just to make sure everything is okay and the heating is on. Okay, and obviously there are security concerns, vandalism concerns. Absolutely, absolutely. So in, in, in this day and age of increased homelessness, and, you know, homelessness was a central tenet, of uh, the election promises of all of the main parties, uh, you know, until it was in in a way unfairly eclipsed by the pandemic. Uh, you know, there was education, there was health was a big one, homelessness, uh, and you know, getting the economy back on its feet now is is probably the big focus. And yeah. you know, homelessness has got has gone maybe off the the center stage in the media, if you like. 
Um, But that's not to say it's not a huge, huge problem in uh, this country. And because of red tape, you're telling me there are hundreds, if not thousands, of these houses uh, tied up in some red tape because they're involved in the fair deal scheme, lying vacant, unoccupied, a security and a vandalism threat, and costing money to keep warm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a man in dire straits now, before Christmas, looking for somewhere to live. And it's just, I, I, it's maddening when I listen to that lad on the, on the phone talking to you this morning. I'm paying this absolutely ridiculous sums of money for rent. Okay, we're, we're due Billy to be speaking to, uh, I hope anyway, to, I know he's in Cork on Friday, to the uh, Sinn Féin spokesperson on housing, uh, Ono Bren. Uh, but let me make this uh, open offer to any of the political parties, in government or in opposition. Please come on and discuss why this is the case. Uh, I'm, I'm not just picking on Sinn Féin, it's just that he's in Cork and we're, we're planning to interview him. Uh, but if any of the government parties or any of the opposition parties want to come on and explain how hundreds of houses... Uh, could be lying vacant while we have a massive homelessness problem because of some bureaucracy. Is it that the government then, you know, if the person uh, passes on, they need to uh, affect the sale of the house to cover the fair deal, is it? Yes. Okay, yeah. but, uh, you know, you could you could insist on vacant possession at a month's notice on, on, on the rental contract, couldn't you? There you go. Very simple. It's It's going to be harsh when it comes on somebody who may, you know, fall in love with the house, fall in love with the area, love living there. Uh, okay, you've got a month to get out, but that was part of the deal when we set up this this uh, contract. Part of it, yeah. It's yeah. there for you. Like, okay. You're absolutely stupid, ridiculous money on rent. So, so the, in the house picking up the bills. The, the silly question is, could you allow someone to live in the house for free? It would dep- you could, even if you go put in your first cousin. Yeah, and are you allowed to do that? No, no, you can't. You can't put in your sister, your brother. That's uh, tied up. It's, it's a new one on me. That's why I'm so shocked. Honestly, yeah, you can't do nothing with it. You can't do nothing with it. It's just sitting there. So you're spending money on an empty house, heating it, and trying to stop rain coming down the chimney, and there are people freezing on the streets. There you go. There you go. Welcome to Ireland of the welcomes. Welcome. <laughs> Coat of paint and you're in. Bedding, everything is in the house from the day the lady left it. Yeah. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's just so annoying to be listening to that man. And hundreds more like him, crying out for somewhere. Yeah. And it's, it's almost as if your positivity, your mental psyche, you know, your outlook on life, your, uh, your joie de vie, if you like, uh, is, yeah. is being slashed. It's death by a thousand cuts in this country. There's always something yeah. around the corner that just doesn't make sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, the, and yeah, hopefully somebody will listen and somebody might have an answer to it and, you know, okay. it will solve two problems, mine and his and many other people. I wonder how many houses are in this situation across the country. A lot. A lot. I wonder if we could find that out under Freedom of Information. Yeah, you could. Get, get that lad down reception to start punching in the numbers. They're, they're working very nimbly now to rush legislation through the houses of the Oireachtas or whatever they need to do to in, increase the government powers in relation to, you know, the noble fight against this pandemic. Uh, but yeah. when it comes to bureaucracy and red tape in the housing sector, it seems like it's just trying to move mountains. I'm sure there's a valid reason for this. I'm sure there's a, you know, there, there's a legitimate reason why this is the case. And I'm sure the system would be open to abuse. 
um, you know, by some elements of society. But it just doesn't seem, surely, some diktat or some refinements or some barriers, uh, boundaries could be put in place to allow you to short-term let this house. Um, yes. You know, even, even at six-month stretches, if if there's no need to sell the house in six months, then you get another six months to give it to somebody, uh, and then it can be reviewed. If the need arises two months in, then that person still has four months to go and enough notice to get out. It would seem to go. make uh, compassionate sense, if nothing else. Yeah. Okay. Just, I suppose it's because of the, the, the person, if the person is deceased or unfortunately dies, then they're going to call on the property to be sold, and they'll take their slice out of it and... Yeah, but surely they could wait six months. You could pay them a little interest or something. Absolutely. Twelve months. And that, that's a, yes, they're not waiting on it. Yeah. That's sake. All right. So many empty houses then this Christmas around the country and so many oh. people homeless. Yeah. I, I, I'll, I'll put it to Ono Bryn and i just make an open invitation to anybody else in any other party uh, who's involved mm-hmm. as a spokesperson for housing to come on and address this issue and see why it just doesn't seem, maybe I'm just being naive here, but it seems as though something we could do towards helping the homeless situation. Absolutely. All right, okay. That man is dead right. I have two houses beside me in that position. Two. Uh, One has been vacant for around three years now. A perfectly good three-bedroom house. It's a joke of a system, says a texter. So there's perfect instant validation that what you're saying is absolutely correct, Billy Long. Listen, I'm I'm glad you came on because you've highlighted highlighted something. something. That if we can get to the bottom of it, we may be able to help a lot of people. There you are. All right. Thanks, Billy. Good luck, Mike. Cheers. Thanks. Bye-bye. Now, on line two, uh, a right of reply for Dermot O'Kayla. Good morning, Dermot. Good morning, Mike. How are you doing? Very good. Now, your name was mentioned yesterday, and I do remember you were uh, protesting against the wearing of masks about a year ago, and I think that's in the context uh, of what was said. And you want to come on with a little bit of a right of reply to just to... You you all highlight the issue yourself there, and you're thinking back you know, about a year ago when I was protesting, and I think your caller said to the effect that we were gone away, and I'm just wondering what planet the individual is living on, um, and of course media, and I have to say yourselves included, have ignored this issue. There has been seven large protests in Cork in the intervening year that he, he mentioned. And in fact, there's another one next Saturday, this afternoon, this Saturday afternoon in Cork City. Yes, I know there is. So before, we start, before we start, uh, Michael, let's, uh, let's just recap on what was said uh, so that we have clarity sure. and that's so you have clarity on what you're responding to. Just a moment here now. So last year you had this guy, Dermot O'Kyla. And a, a group of them, they were organising protests against masks, etc., etc. Now, they had protests downtown, outside castles, outside, outside uh, downtown, and they eventually fell apart. Now, all over the world, Mick, as you know, people are wearing masks to protect themselves. So you are, for instance, if you're a doctor, a nurse, or a healthcare worker, and these fellows will not wear the mask, and they'll get sick, they'll go to you, to be treated. Now, I, th- I Neil thought this was a very good point that you as, as a doctor being disrespected or a nurse being disrespected by these so-called people who have shown no respect whatsoever for your profession or for your health or for your welfare, they should be rejected straight away because there's so, so many genuine people out there trying hard to avoid cor- uh, coronavirus and all that goes with it. They, they, they take vaccines. 
when, when you said genuine, though, Michael, the, the, the protesters are, are well entitled to their genuinely heartfelt opinion that vaccination is not for them. Now, now taking it into their own hands and protesting outside the minister's oh, house yeah. is a different matter. It is, of course, yeah, but that's the attitude they showed, you see. But there's so many genuine people out there depending on doctors, nurses, healthcare workers for vaccines, etc., etc. They want to they, they protect themselves in a safe way and they pray, they pray for protection. And if these fellows, uh, you know, protesting outside ministers' houses or protesting outside the people's houses, they show disrespect to you as a doctor, a nurse, or a, or a healthcare worker. So they should be brushed aside because there's too many genuine people out there wanting to be protected. Well, there you have it. Uh, it's not shocking. There you have it, Jim. The man is trying to classify what's a genuine person. Uh, well, like he, he, he also said so called people. people. I, I would imagine yeah, they're all people. So called people, exactly. I mean, the, the thing is. Do, do, do humans have rights and do we have a right to choose what we put into our own bodies? I, despite that man's claim, I personally am not an anti-vaxxer. I reject that assertion. I've never led anyone to believe that. But the, what I am in favour of is that people have free choice and that they should have an informed consent. Now, far from gone away, as I said, there was nearly 20,000 people in the streets in Dublin on Saturday, which we organised. And th- these people are not so-called people. These are humans who have rights that should be recognised. And this is what's wrong. I have no objection if somebody wants to go and take a vaccine. Off they go. I wish them well. But I want, and I respect that, but I want the same respect for me. And very topical at the moment, children. Why are children today going to school, nine-year-old kids in third class, being told they have to wear a face covering? There is no scientific basis whatsoever. Not one study is done. There is no risk assessment made. Can I give you my interpretation as to why they're wearing it today, Dermot? Or children. Can I give you my interpretation as to why it's happening? Is because six weeks ago, uh, all close contacts, the you know the COVID tracing system that was around that close contact system for children was abandoned. Um, whether it is, you, you may that may be part of it. Make the issue is that there is no testing system at all that can properly measure all these case counts. They say that are spreading. They're based on this so this PCR test, which the FDA in the United States has said cannot distinguish between flu and COVID. So if it can't distinguish it. Like, that is why we know during the winter time the case counts shoot up. It happens every year, and it's been happening every year for thousands of years. So, this, people are not, especially kids, are not getting seriously ill in any sense. They may get a cold and it passes, but today kids are being abused. This will be a scandal when the, the dust settles, tantamount to what the industrial schools were, with the psychological damage they're causing to kids. So parents should be careful and protect their children. They should come out. In fact, we're having psych- professional psychotherapists speaking next Saturday at Sydney Town at the rally. They should come in and listen to what they have to say. We will have national school teachers and secondary school teachers speaking as well, calling on parents to protect their children. So we're far, far from gone away. People must insist on getting the truth rather than the spin. Imagine a Minister for Health who tells us, oh, you can go to the panto this year, but you can't bring your children. What kind of a man is this that we're supposed to be listening to that looks after and protects our health? People need to wake up and and see what's happening. Our kids are being abused. Big Pharma is making billions and billions. Still there? Oh, I think we've lost Jared. Okay, let's see if we can get back to him. Uh, meanwhile, a text uh, that came in to me personally. 
Uh, and I'll read it out while we try to get Jeremy back, okay? People dropping dead on the street turned out to be a lie. Bodies piling up turned out to be a lie. Uh, is Dermot back? Hello, Dermot? Oh, say, we have line five, okay. Are you there? Oh, sorry, this is Kate. Hello, Kate. Um, morning, mate, how are you? Very good. Now, we'll get back to Dermot in a moment, okay? I'll read that text then. Okay, you have an 11-year-old refused to go to school because he has to wear a mask. Uh, yeah. yeah, this morning, yeah. Um, he was fully dressed, ready to close the door. Um, literally, obviously, came on the news this morning saying that the schools now have the right to refuse a child on entry. So he literally went back in his room and took off his jumper. So what are you doing? And he said, I'm not going. So, um, unfortunately, my son was born with a stride and his trust was airways on developed properly. Um, so he does struggle. Now, with the poor child, anywhere we go, you know, he's very, very good. He will wear a mask when we're going into shopping centres and things like that. You know, he does because he's well aware of what's going on. So he's well and, aware and he will um, wear a mask because he has a condition where he finds it difficult to breathe. Yeah. So he literally will last about 20 minutes and then we have to leave because, you know, it gets, he gets caught. Mm-hmm. He gets caught for breath. So we literally, you know, in and out, that's basically what we've been doing the whole time, you know. Yeah. Um, but this morning he said, I, I can't do it, Mum. He just said, I, I literally, I can't do it. How did you, you react? Know, um, sure, what way did he react? I, you know, he got so upset. I just said, that's okay, that's fine, we'll deal with it. So I rang, my GP has made an appointment, you know, to go up and get a letter from him. Um, otherwise, my child won't be going to school. Eh? Well, I, I'm, I'm sure. That, I'm sure the GPs are already very, very busy dealing with other yeah. illnesses and trying to roll out yeah. a booster program. Uh, yeah. You know, then writing notes for for children who don't want to wear masks. But there is apparently. Yeah, he doesn't want to wear a mask. Like it's just the fact that it, it is affecting him. Like he has an underlying health condition. Like how is he supposed to sit for eight hours with a mask on him and he can't breathe? Exactly. And and because this came in so quickly, of course, nobody has had a chance to even at a casual no. visit to the no. doctor pick up that note. Um, no. Now I know that the you know it's not an overarching diktat uh, that the school principals for the first few weeks at least, and it's also supposed to be a short term measure, a couple of weeks or whatever. Uh, have their own discretion as to who will and will not wear a mask. Yeah, of course. So I did you did you try to know? approach the principal? Um, I will be I will be um, in contact with him Joe today. Yeah, I fine. Yeah. Okay. So hopefully, yeah, I will okay. be trying to solve something all time. Yeah, of so, course. Like I mean, you know, I, there's no way of him staying at home. You know what I mean? He has to. We'll be both full time. You know, we're full time employed, so we ha- he has to be in school. You okay. Know? So, I, I had meant to come to you after D- uh, Dermot O'Kayla, uh, Kate, but stay with me. Dermot, what, what do you make of that situation? 11-year-old refusing himself to go to school because he has to wear a mask. You're back uh, with us? Uh, well, that's a matter for the parent to resolve, but if I was 11, I wouldn't be wearing a mask, I can tell you. Um, it's not healthy, and people shouldn't do it. It's, it's that simple. All the medical... There has been no... Why would not... Why would there not be a safety assessment made to, to, to worry about this? For years, we've been told health and safety is the be-all and end-all of everything. But they're introducing these and there is no health and safety assessment made. None. None at all. So how dare they interfere with children of that age in such a cavalier unscientific and useless manner because it will achieve nothing to stop a virus with these masks you might ask a fly not to fly through a gate in a, in a in a field you know like th- these are tiny particles the masks are have zero impact none all they are is a psychological method of disciplining people and controlling them that's all they are they have no good. If it may, having said that, if people want to wear them, off they go. But there should be absolutely no coercion of any kind for people to put on these face coverings. They're not healthy. They deprive okay. oxygen. Kate, Kate, do you want to make any final point before I get back to Dermot? I mean, I know I, 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 I know I agree with him on every level, level of what he's spoken about. We weren't given any choice. We just literally came on overnight. 
there was meant to be a discussion about it. They haven't done any scientific study, as you just said. I mean, I have to wear them myself all day, you know what I mean? I mean, all of us are suffering. So why would we be putting on to the children? And plus, a child, realistically, is going to be touching his mask all day long, mm-hmm. pulling it on and off. I mean, they're out in the yard. What are they going to be doing? Up and yeah. talk to each other. I, 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 think, I think they got a bit of a frightening last Christmas, you know, when... Well, when things kind of got a little bit out of hand, I didn't think yeah, we'd be here again a year later. But it wasn't true. The children, realistically, sure. last children was mostly adults were picking it up and bringing it home. And it's the same thing, sure, but it's okay for an adult to go into a pub. It's what I don't understand. And all sit down, you know, have their drinks, whatever, and all be around each other, no masks, and then they come home. But yet a child can't go to school. I, I just, it makes no sense to me. Kate, Kate and, and, and Dermot, Kate, Kate, I'll have to leave you go out to this, but can I just put Thank this you. one to you? This, this is the Denmark um, means of operation, okay? Every child... And every worker gets a PCR test, most likely on a Sunday evening. The results. I have no are, problem with that. Yeah, the, the results are delivered to them early on Monday morning. If you're not fit for work, you stay at home. If you're not fit for school, you stay at home. No masks are worn, and the incidence of transmission is very, very low. That's a huge expense go. now to the government. But would that be an answer here? I'll put it to both I of you. Have no Kate first. I'm doing that. I do. I PCR test them regularly. You know, I have the antigen test at home all the time anyway, due to my, you know, my own job. I'm constantly on top of that anyway. I have yeah. no problem with that being done. All right. whatsoever. Kate, thanks. I need to move yeah, on to an, another much. caller. Dermot, what do you make of that situation? Make, make, the, the PCR test doesn't know the difference between a common flu and COVID. So what's the point? Fair enough. I, I'm, I, I'm not scientifically qualified to answer that. I was going to read a text to you that, that, that I got personally, Dermot, to see what, what you would feel here. Because I know, you know, you say you're not an anti-vaxxer, but you do question the, yeah. uh, the narrative. Would that be safe, fair yeah, to say? Correct. Okay. Absolutely. Here, here's a text I got uh, from somebody probably in your own, uh, sort of in your own area of, of thought on this. People dropping dead on the street turned out to be a lie. Bodies piling up turned out to be a lie. Hospitals being overrun turned out to be a lie. Three weeks to flatten the curve turned out to be a lie. There will be no mask mandate turned out to be a lie. Only the elderly and vulnerable will need to be jabbed turned out to be a lie. Kids will never have to have a jab turned out to be a lie. No vaccine passports turned out to be a lie. No mandatory vaccination for jobs turned out to be a lie. Lies, lies and more lies, says my texter. And people wonder why I have a hard time believing the narrative, he said. The person understands the thing very well, I think. I think if humans use their brains, they will see that that is exactly what is happening. So why is the big question? Why is this happening? People ask me, look, they can't all be telling you lies. The fact is they are all telling us lies because there is no basis for this. Like, What's happening on... Coming, I need to leave it there, Jim. What's happening on Saturday? You've got a protest, have you? On Saturday at 12 o'clock, people are invited to meet at Bishop Lucy Park. There'll be a march and a parade and some speakers, as I've said. There'll be doctors there. There'll be teachers there. There'll be psychotherapists there to deal with all these issues of mask wearing, face covering, the psychology of it and the impact of it and calling people to stand up for our rights. I know lots of schools around the country today have protests and have parents withdrawing their kids or agreeing with principals the kids won't be interfered with. That's what needs to happen. Okay. If we can't protect our children, we're worth nothing. All right, dear Mitter, I have to leave it there. You had your yes, right to reply anyway. Dear Mitter, Kayla, yeah, thank, you, thank you very, very much. Thank now then, there's also a no-mask mandate gathering on Friday next, 3rd of December at 12 midday at Doyle Aaron uh, on Kildare Street in Dublin, calling on parents and children. Uh, this poster is to uh, gather from across Ireland to unite in a mask gathering at Doyle Aaron. Minister Donnelly, we will not comply with your inhumane mask mandate for primary school children. Let's lead by example and show our children what democracy looks like. Inspirational speakers, teachers, therapists, 
special needs parents and more. Enough is enough is the sponsor of that. So we'll just bring you that as a piece of information to line four and to Anthony. Good morning, Anthony. Good morning, Mick. Nice to talk to you again. Oh, nice to talk to you again. You always have something valid and uh, a very worthy contribution to make. So this time you're saying we're being softly broken into another lockdown. Yeah, it's like the old saying, softly, softly, catchy monkey. We're slowly being drip-fed now. There'll be a lockdown again after Christmas because people will meet up, as human nature is. And we'll be told, oh, we'll have to have another lockdown. I have no doubt in my mind about it whatsoever. But what I text into you, what I'm more worried about listening to that lady there, is about people's mental health. People that are suffering from isolation, from depression, from fear. We'll have children now that are going to grow up with a totally warped sense of the world. That shaking hands, that making eye contact, that even mixing with each other will be a taboo. Hugging, kissing. Yeah, would we all have to live in a cyber world or something, you know? And it goes back in my original text. The first director general of the World Health Organization, he wrote a report and his report was, there will be no physical health without mental health. Yeah, Both you, are connected. You've got to have a positive mental, mental, mental health attitude uh, to even think of becoming physically healthy. One doesn't work without the other. And I, I know there have been assaults on people's mental health through this pandemic. But would you not, would you not think that against all of the curveballs that are coming at them, the government are doing what they can to combat everything and keep, keep the show on the road, as it were? No, because they're changing and changing and changing. And let's face it, this virus is going nowhere. You know, we're just going to have to learn to live with it. We can't be constantly having lockdowns. And I mean, like that man just said there, Jeremy, was it? You yes, know, we, just, we were told one vaccination will do you, two vaccinations will do you. Now we have to have a booster. Now we might have to have a booster every year. At the beginning, there was no need to wear masks. Now nine to 11-year-olds have to wear masks. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're going into two years of it now. And I think just like a government, like I was saying to Seamus there, we change governments every couple of years. And I think Nefesh should be replaced and new, fresh ideas and new, fresh thinking because they're just stale. They haven't a clue what they're doing. They seem to be just making it up as they go along. And the government are about as useful as an ashtray and a motorbike. <laughs> so, I well, mean... What, what about the breaking in spirit, at least, of, of the common travel arrangement agreed by all 27 uh, countries that make up the European Union. Uh, Por- Portugal had kind of a necessary knee-jerk, well, I won't say necessary, but they had a knee-jerk reaction anyway uh, to events at the weekend. But Ireland seemed to have very quickly followed uh, and have broken the spirit of this agreement by looking for antigen and PCR tests for incoming passengers. Yeah, and I heard Michal Martin roared and screaming in the door yesterday. Oh, she, you know, about hotel isolation and all this. You were all screaming for it a year ago. Now you're all complaining about it. I mean, I just don't know. I, I do know for certain anyway. I would bet you, bet my life, there'll be a lockdown after Christmas because people will get together. Families will get together. That's what Christmas is all about. It's about family. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're ruining children's lives as well now. And we're ruining their mental health. I think the big and indicator, as, as to me, Hall Martin's thinking yesterday, uh, was that, you know, we need to get to the Christmas break. Then we need to reassess. And then we need to look at the next semester. 
he wasn't talking about the you know the next three months of the economy. He was talking to about the next semester for school. Uh, so I think there's a lot of mental pressure as well on the government, uh, having not prob- possibly not acted fastly uh, or f- uh, as fast and swift as they needed to last year, uh, and going into almost immediate lockdown after Christmas. Uh, I think short, sharp shock is the order of the day now to try and save Christmas. Yeah, and I mean. Like, who appointed the members of NEFIT, by the way? I imagine they're government um, or or civil service appointees. I don't know. Was it the HSE? Possibly. I don't know. Yeah, and we know what a rip-roaring success they are. So I just think it's time for a change of government, but it's definitely a time for change in NEFIT anyway, because we need fresh thinking, we need fresh ideas, and mental health needs to be featured more. Okay. Because there's going to be a lot of anxious children and there's going to be a lot of children. I felt sorry for that mother that was on just before me. I mean, that is an awful thing to have to go to the doctor. Like, and to expect a nine-year-old to wear a mask and freeze in the mouth of the classrooms then as well. I mean, none of it makes any sense, Make None of it. Like, it's two steps forward and one step back constantly. Nothing is improving. All right, Anthony, very valid contribution as always. Uh, Need to take a break. Thanks a million, Anthony. Okay, good to talk to you. Keep in touch. Thank you very much. Cheers. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Good morning from the Neil Printerville Show. This is Mick Mulcahy. We're covering a lot of ground and a lot of topics this morning. And Frank is on line one on housing. Good morning, Frank. Morning, Mick. How are you doing? Good. Now, you're on about the time the Greens banned bedsits. That's right. I don't know, was this the last time or the time before they had probably maybe three TDs and they were part of the government. But overnight they banned bedsits. How can you tell. ban bedsits? Oh, they're completely banned. They're, you, you can't have a bedsit in Ireland anymore. Okay, is that because of uh, hygiene reasons? Well, well, they said it was because of safety more than anything. But I mean, that was in the day pre the PTRB. So there would have been no checks. Yeah, we all know there was a lot of slum, slums. But I mean, with the PTRB, you know, surely they could be regulated. Sure. I think it, it it caused huge problems for single people, especially single men. I mean, I remember growing up, you had Wellington Road, we'll say, you might have 10, 12 beds it's in the one old Jordan house. That's right. I mean, I mean, it was a very simple thing. I mean, you had your bed... Your little cooker, maybe a two hob or a two two thin cooker, a fridge, a, li- a little toilet and shower, and maybe a table and a chair. Yeah, but living in a telephone box can't be that good for mental health. And I think maybe what the Greens were doing was was trying to strike a blow for uh, for for the occupiers yeah. of these places, so that standards would come up, perhaps. But uh, how can standards come up when they're completely banned? Well, you have to. You probably have to have a bedroom with a, a door you can close. Well, I mean, you had. You sled your, your door to your your little bed. Slit, but yeah, I mean, but you had, a, you had a kind of a pull-down bed, didn't you? Um, single bed, some sort of a single bed, yeah. Maybe it was pulled down or maybe it wasn't. But, I mean, isn't it a lot better than sleeping in Roach's Store's doorway or somewhere on the Grand Parade or a tent down in the marina? Absolutely. And, I mean, they're... Well, they were a cheap option. What they, I know, I know there was... Certain owners had thousands of them around the city and they made huge money because of volume, which meant how badly they were being used and how badly they were needed. 
okay, as I said, so a lot of Muslims, but with the PTRB now, they'd have to be a lot more careful, a lot more health and safety careful. I think there's a huge opening there for them. Okay, and maybe, you know, 10 people living in what was a house designed for a family of four, maybe, in 10 bedsits, that's probably going to be a fire hazard as well. Well, I mean, again, as I said, with all the health regulations now and the PTRB, should be very easy to iron out, won't you? I mean, okay, back back in the day, and as I was mentioning Wellington Road, and I know you spent a lot of time up there. <laughs> I did. Uh, um, there was no such thing as a fire escape. You jumped out to, and I. It, I wasn't it, living there, by the way. I was working there. I know. I know. I know. Telecom. I know that winds them all up. Yeah, <laughs> and but I mean, there was no such thing as a fire escape. You jumped out the window or or whatever, like. But whereas now, they'd have to, and I, I'd, I'd imagine if they brought in some type that they'd be snapped up within because of the crisis we're in. Yeah, because there's fantastic pod housing around the place. You know, there, there are various ones. Uh, recently I looked at the pod factory, uh, which is in County Meath, and they're, they're doing um, A, B, U, or rated um, two-bedroom houses if you've got a bit of land for under 80,000. Uh, and there are many, many more, um, you know, right down to steel tech sheds. I'm not trying to give anybody a particular plug, but there are modular housing uh, and cheap housing uh, options available if somebody has a little bit of land. Uh, often yeah. often not subject to very stringent planning permission requirements at all. Yeah, but I mean, what you have to look over the years with the, with the governments, and particularly at the moment, they don't want cheap housing. They want the vultures and the developers to keep making their huge, huge profits. I mean, did we ever think we'd see a day where a two or three bedroom house in the part of the city would cost you fifteen hundred euro a month and more, and more, and probably you're probably right, and more. I mean, even no people on HAP no can't get it because the HAP doesn't cover that. They'd be paying out maybe fifty or sixty percent of their income to top up the rent. When I think the going what you're supposed to be paying is maybe about twenty or thirty percent. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the housing situation here, as you mentioned earlier. Empty houses. Madden's buildings, I think, there's about eight empty houses, one of them for up to 12 years. Just empty, never never given back out by this, and our city council owned. I think a list should be made of every empty property in the country. It's reason for being empty. It's reason why it can't be refurbished. It's reason why it can't be rented. Uh, and what uh, corrective action can be taken to remediate that situation and get it into the market and get people into it? I think in London and in most of England, for many years, if an empty house isn't turned over in about six weeks, serious questions are asked and heads could even roll. Okay. We have the you housing know. stock. For some reason, it's allowed oh, or... There's actually plenty of houses in Cork to house people who want houses. Now, I know you will always have a, some bit of a homeless problem because of mental health addiction, whichever. But, I mean, for people who want and need houses, there's ten, plenty of them there. I mean, even the thing of building smaller little units to downsize. My my own mother, going back 10, 15 years ago, ended up on her own in a three-bedroom house in Farnley because we had all moved on and Dad had died. And she got an offer to move into a lovely little masonette up behind Farnley Church and just give the house back to the city council and continue living then rather than trying to clean a three-bedroom sure. house where there was nobody there. Did she take it? And 
Well, she took it and she lived out her life there and absolutely loved it. The beautiful community. And believe it or not, it took them two and a quarter years to reallocate that house in Farnforth Avenue. Let's assess the red tape and the bureaucracy that's around that. As I said, we talked to Ono Brin hopefully on Friday. Uh, and we leave that invitation open to anybody else who wants to come on and make sense of this mess. Okay, uh, Frank, you're right, it's red tape. Yeah, thanks, Frank. Thanks a million. No bother. Take care, mate. Okay, let's take one more call on travel before uh, I take a break, and that's uh, going to be D. Hello, D. Hi, how are you, Mick? You're, I'm great. You're confused, though. I am a bit, yeah, with the whole travel situation that's come in. All right, what's your situation? What are you doing? Um, Travelling to London um, next Tuesday up until Friday, and um, I have my booster shot this Saturday coming. And I'm concerned that if we get uh, tests in the week after that booster, that my uh, that the COVID is going to be showing as positive, I suppose, on on those tests, and I won't be allowed to fly home. Yeah, I'm I'm going to try and get some definitive answer on that because you know medically we're not qualified to answer it or even speculate. Mm. Uh, I, I asked a forensic friend of mine, let's say a forensic <laughs> chemist last night, who really couldn't put a hundred percent. Uh, yes or no on that either. So I think I'll probably text my local doctor and see what the uh, the situation is. So your booster's on Saturday, December 4th. Yeah. Uh, on your travel yeah. specifically, you'll get into the UK uh, on your double vaccination cert, uh, but coming yeah. back you'll have to have from Friday because you're not coming back until December 10th. Uh, so you'll be yeah. a week into it then. You'll have to have your antigen or your PCR to come back into Ireland. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think you'll be okay because if the, um, and once again, this isn't a medical opinion, but on Saturday, December 4th, if you're getting your booster, you're not going to need to have a test to go to the UK. And by Friday, December 10th, surely, uh, you know, that, that will, uh, any hope. traces of COVID will have left your system. I would think. We'll hope, we'll hope. It's, it's really hard to know. And as well, like where you get the test when you're over in another country, like I haven't a clue where to go. Like, can you do it in the airport? Is it any pharmacy? Do you have to go to their GPs? You know, I have no yeah. idea what to, to And, and what constitutes an official or a professional test, yeah. as Michael O'Leary yeah. was saying. Uh, that's still very unclear. Uh, I imagine the best place to go would be a concierge in a hotel or a hotel manager, because they're being asked that mm-hmm. question from travellers all the time, I would imagine. Yeah, I'll be asking everyone. I'll be asking the GP on Saturday that'll be doing my um, uh, booster, and I'll be asking the hotel over as well if we do get over. So. Okay, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick stick a text into my own doctor and see if there is a, a medical uh, evaluation as to whether a booster shot taken very close to a travel required PCR test could affect that test. Great, right. brilliant. Thanks a million, D. Thank very much, Nick. Cheers, thanks, bye. bye-bye. It's the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And a very good morning from the Neil Prenderville Show. And I, my thanks to uh, Dr. Greg Murphy for an instant response to my text to him. A quick one, Greg, I said, I'm on the radio, I have a question. Will a booster jab affect a PCR test for travel purposes a few days later? And uh, Greg came back, Dr. Greg Murphy saying no, no effect on it. So uh, that lady uh, we were just speaking to can take uh, her booster jab and uh, travel quite safely, safe in the knowledge that the uh, the booster jab will not show up as a positive COVID uh, element on the PCR test. And that is a medical opinion from Dr. Greg Murphy in Rochestown Clinic. So thanks for that, Dr. Greg. Now then, tell that woman PCR official tests are available at pharmacies here in Boots, etc., 
they just differ in price. This is from the UK. It's Tricia in London uh, who says she should just get in onto a pharmacy near to where she's staying. Thanks, Tricia. Tell that woman PCR official tests. Uh, so this is the professional test I think the government are looking for. Are available at pharmacies here. Boots, etc. They just differ in price. So shop around and get onto a pharmacy near to where you're staying and cut down the expense. Vincent, thanks for holding. Good morning, uh, Mick. How are you? I, just, I went into the city yesterday morning there about half nine, um, and I left at half eleven. I parked in the city hall car park, the okay. multi-story. Uh, ten euro fifty for two hours. What? You know, ten, uh, you, you 10 must... euro ten euro and fifty cents for the for the two hours and five minutes. I think I was there. Ah, uh, you're, you're paying like, for the you're paying for the third hour at three fifty an hour. But, like, I walked up. Over the mile, up Oliver Plunkett Street in the morning, there was nobody in the city. But like, is it any wonder there's nobody in the city? Like, who's going to pay, like, for two hours, ten euro fifty for a car park space? Well, it's it's like, actually three hours you paid for, I would imagine, Vincent. No, but uh, the hard facts are, the consumer, is, I'm paying ten euro fifty for two hours. Forget about the extra hour if you go into the five minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, are, are, are the council and the, and the councillors living on the real world at all? Like, in my opinion, the car park for a day should be capped by the councillors at 10 euro. That you should be able to park your car for a whole day for 10 euro. Mm-hmm. Like, we're competing with uh, people who can sit on a couch and shop and uh, not go anywhere. Or go for free parking in like one of the major, well, one of the major malls. That you can park for free. Where in any of the major major shopping centres? Yeah, but I, but I'm, my point is, if we keep doing what we're doing, and plus the green agenda that the the council have, you we won't have a business left, an independent business retail business left in the city if they keep doing what they're doing. You take the South Mall. Like the South Mall, they took away, I don't know how many car park spaces for a few bikes. I know somebody working on the Mall, and from 9 o'clock till about uh, 12 o'clock, there's about six bikes used, the, 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 the bike zone. You know, and they took away all the cars. Like, there's got to be a bit of common sense. You can have your green agenda, but there's a thing called common sense, which they're not teaching in UCC, by the way, that uh, if we don't rescue this situation, you won't have a business left in the city at all. The whole place will be boarded up. But we're saying it for years on on, on the radio, Vincent, that the very stringent application of, you know, parking fines and and that kind of thing. Now, I know uh, the parking wardens have a job to do. Who's, who's, like, what did, my point is, your Sinn Féin councillors, your Fine Gael councillors, your Fine Fáil, the whole lot, have they any say on anything? You know, I know Anne Doherty is, I don't know what she's thinking about. She's thinking that people just come in and pay 20 euro or 10 euro for two hours. I, I won't. Like, the people who do that, I don't care what money people have. People don't like being ripped off. But is, isn't, the city hall, isn't the City Hall a private car park? Isn't that run by Q Park? Nothing to do with the council. But this is the other thing. They sold the land off to a private company and then the, the private company will rip off the, the, the people. But my point is, the power should rest with the councillors that they go in on a Monday night and vote on this, that the maximum charge you can have for a full day in any car park, public or private, is €10. Euro. 
like I'm sure I was thinking when I came home that there are, and it would be interesting to put that out there, that is there places in Cork City that you can park for the whole day, private or public, for about 10 euro? There is, there's I one There's if, one on Patrick's Quay across from where the buses are there. I used to yeah, park there, there quite a lot. You know, like, like if you come up from the, anywhere, you're not going to pay 20, 30, 40 euro for car park. You'll do it once. I did it. I won't be back into that car park ever again. Or back into the you city know? to shop. To shop. This is the point. So, like, the, like I walked up Oliver Punk Street. There were 15 people on Oliver Punk Street at 10 o'clock in the morning. I, I was in town the other day, and I know it's late November. I don't go into town that often. I was shocked at how easily you could walk around at the lack of uh, bustling feet on the main thoroughfare of Patrick Street and on all of the side streets. It was so quiet. I said, are we approaching Christmas here? What's going on? Yeah. The city is the empty. The problem here is Monday to Friday, like the weekdays, is a major problem, I think, for business in the city centre. And like the weekends do take care of themselves. People do come in on Saturday and Sunday. But I would think, like, let's get our heads together between the Chamber of Commerce, Cork Business, a few councillors, get a few heads together and start scratching and bring a bit of common sense to the table that people will not come into the city for those kind of charges, you know? No, they won't. Vincent, I have to leave it there. There's cheap parking. Thanks, Vincent. There's cheap parking in the city at 2.30 per hour in Paul Street, we're told. Now, we can't squeeze this in before 11 o'clock, but directly after 11 o'clock news, if you want to take part in our Homefront Giftware and Interiors competition, we'll take two callers now. First one we'll put on first, second one we'll put on second, and at uh, 200 euro voucher, one of two today uh, to give away for Homefront Giftware and Interiors, a Cork family business specialising in all your giftware and interior needs in Bandon, Middleton, Wilton, Douglas, Blackpool and Carrigaline. Get calling now. We'll take uh, callers on the air. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And what a fabulous competition we have this week from Homefront Giftware and Interiors. They are a Cork-based, family-owned business specialising in all your giftware and interior needs. And if you want to get that something special, and it's eluding you, uh, and maybe the weather's a little bit too cold, you want to do it from the comfort of your home. Homefrontgiftware.ie. Good morning on line three to the first caller in, which is Frank. Good morning, Frank. Good morning, Mick. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from, Frank? I'm in Blarney Street. Blarney Street. And we're going all the way to Canturk. Beautiful Canturk for Mary Crowley. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mick. How are you? Brilliant. There was a lovely coffee shop in Canturk called The Daily Grind. Is that still there? Is, uh, there are several lovely coffee shops in Canturk. But is there? Lovely. That was the one I knew anyway, on the bridge there. That's right. All right, guys. Listen, I'm going to play this music. It's actually the music from Play Your Cards Right, but I can't play it too loud, okay? Because if I do, Brenda Denny will start dancing around Studio 2. So here we go. Frank, you were first. We're going to ask you the question, and we're going to see uh, who gets closest to the pin, as they say, in golf. It's going to be a Christmassy question, a 200-euro voucher up for grabs, and I know you'll wish each other well and happy Christmas, even if you don't win. Only one of you can win. Here we go. According to a survey by Tesco Ireland, what percentage of Irish people say their favourite family Christmas tradition is Christmas dinner? Okay, according to a survey by Tesco Ireland, what percentage of Irish people say their favourite family Christmas tradition is Christmas dinner? Frank, what percentage would you say? I'd go as high as 80. 80%. Mary Crowley and Gunturk, what would you say? 
I test haven't you? Okay. Now we've got a bit of a problem. I'm going to have to ask you for a second guess, right? Why not just split it? I'm going to have... Why not just split it into two... The answer is 75. So, you know something, we're going to have to get onto uh, Homefront Giftware and Interiors. You're an equal distance away. So, why don't we split it in two and hand uh, and, and be very Christmassy about it? Exactly, it's Christmas. Oh, you know what? You know what? It's Christmas time. You know what we're going to do? Forget, about the, forget about the second competition. Forget again. about the second competition. Well done. You've both, and uh, I mean both of you now, winning the 200 euro voucher. For home front giftware and interiors, it's Christmas time. You're saving us a bit of time on air as well. So I know the good people well, at home front giftware and interiors won't mind. So well done, uh, Frank, and to Mary Crowley in Canturk. Very um, best wishes to you all for Christmas and spend that wisely. You can do it in Carrigaline, Bandon, Middleton, Wilton, Douglas, and Blackpool. A little bit of travel for you, Mary, but I'm sure you won't mind. Oh, no problem. I get somebody to take me. That's a great Christmas. <laughs> Seven, Merry Christmas, Mary. Merry Christmas, all. And 75% was the answer for once. And on Cannelly, you are both winners. That's not going to happen again. Well done, guys. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's our Homefront competition with Homefront Giftware and Interiors. Uh, and we'll do two competitions tomorrow unless that same thing happens again. Now, hi, Neil. This is for uh, our little hampers from home item on the show. Uh, hi, Neil. I love your show and I listen to it every day. Uh, it's been a lifesaver for me hearing all the wonderful Cork accents and keeping up with the stories and gossip to keep the connection to my home. Nothing compares to Cork people or the feeling of happiness when I arrive in Cork I used to get home a couple of times a year, but not since COVID. I was hoping to come over with my kids in December, but listening to the numbers going up and the cases in ICU, I decided against it, as my mother is too vulnerable to risk it. Listening tonight to your show about the hampers that would be sent abroad to bring some comfort to those who can't get home got me all emotional. What a lovely gesture, a typical cork gesture. My kids were born and raised in Sweden, but they see me cry every time I arrive home and know that Mammy is just happy to be back. If our family was lucky enough to be chosen for a hamper, uh, they would tell all their friends in school. And what a wonderful thing that would be. It would be a big event in their life to have won a hamper all the way from Ireland. So I'd love to apply and cross my fingers and toes. I'm a Cork girl from Mayfield. My maiden name is Gould, and I've been living in Stockholm since 1994. I have two boys named Liam and Lucas who would be thrilled to hear their names called out as hamper winners on the radio in Cork. I have the Red FM app and they hear me listening to the recorded show in the evenings. It's my way to chill and connect with the wonderful people of Cork. So if you want to keep those mails coming, we'll put you in the draw. Well done, uh, Deirdre, uh, all the way from Stockholm. We'll put you in the draw. And of course, everybody whose email is read out has a chance to win uh, a hamper from home. Now then, let's go to uh, line two and to Rachel. Good morning, Rachel. Hi, how are you? Very good. Now, you're due to travel to London next Wednesday. Yes, and we're very stressed out myself and my partner. So, basically, we haven't been anywhere in two years and we're looking to finally go on a trip because we've just recently recovered from COVID. Mm-hmm. And now with these rules, we're just kind of concerned that if we go and we get an antigen test, that we will test positive. Okay, uh, let's get a bit of medical opinion on that. People were texting me um, and texting the program to say, if Mick has direct access to a doctor by text, could we get that doctor on the air? And he very kindly has taken time out of his busy schedule to join us. And that's Dr. Greg Murphy in Rochestown Clinic. Good morning, Dr. Greg. Hello, Mick, how are you? Very good. Now, this particular question from Rachel. They both have their search to show they've recovered from COVID. Uh, if they take an antigen test, uh, would that be affected? Uh, 
uh, would the antigen test... But the antigen test, test show positive, even though they've recovered from COVID? Yes. It would? It could well, it, it could well do, yes. Yeah. Okay. So they're go- I, I, My understanding was that if they could show that they had recovered from COVID, that they're allowed to travel, has that changed? No, I'm not so sure. No, no, it hasn't, no. They can go to the UK without having the, the test, but they can come back without uh, having an antigen test or a PCR test. Uh, they're just wondering if recovery from COVID, how long does it take for the antigen or PCR test to show negative after recovery? I, I don't know the answer to that question, Nick. I don't know how long it takes uh, to get out of the system. Um, there was a question whether uh, getting the COVID vaccine affected the um, antigen test or the PCR test, and it doesn't. I know that for a fact it okay. doesn't. But I can't, I can't tell you how long it is until it washes out of the system following an actual infection. Okay. Where, when was the infection, Rachel? Um, it was the end of October, so we're just over a month now. So it's very soon recently, like, you know, so we're quite... Yeah, it, it can linger. I know it can linger. It certainly could linger that long, but how long exactly, I, I couldn't tell you. There's probably yeah. no scientific basis for saying it's, it's going to last three weeks or four weeks or whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's the changing situation, Greg, because the, you know, before the certificate of recovery would have been enough to travel, but now the antigen test is needed to come back. Uh, how long are you staying for over there, Rachel? Um, three or four days, four days altogether. Okay. But at this point now, I, I, I want to go. My partner, John, doesn't even want to go at this point, but we've, we've so much money. We've all our hotels. We booked a show. We've everything. We're finally trying to just get a few days of break mm-hmm. because of what has gone on. We knew that the common travel agreement was in place. We saw the, the whole situation with the UK. We were worried about that. Then we finally got over that saying that, no, we're not going to have you get tested. I've no problem paying for a PCR test or paying for an antigen test. But if I come back positive, which I most likely will, we both will, then how are we meant to get home? I know. Uh, well, what you could do now is take an antigen test, either one of the supermarket ones or a professional one, and, and see what it tells yeah. you right now. That might tell you you're out of the woods and, you, and you'll be negative on the way back unless you contract it over there, of course. Yeah. Okay, Rachel? I've got to leave it there because I know Greg is, is on borrowed time here in a very busy clinic. Can yeah. I just talk to you about doctors in general, Greg? What sort of pressures yeah. are you under at the moment? Are you seeing a huge... Or, 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 or you're not seeing any element of the winter flu? Well, we're... Uh well, I suppose with the um, the measures we took to stop COVID spread, it has diminished the flu itself. We haven't really had a huge surge in the flu. We've had a huge surge in general uh, winter viral illnesses, uh, and we're having it hard, frankly, to keep up with it because of the COVID commitment, both to vaccination clinics and seeing people with it and referring people for tests and interpreting the tests. We're, we're actually snowed under. It's very difficult to keep up with it. And I imagine you're getting more than a couple of calls today to say little Johnny or Mary has respiratory problems or will need you to certify that they don't have to wear a mask in school. Uh, actually, I haven't just yet, but I'm waiting for, for, for a tsunami of such calls, if I put it that way. Um, yeah, that's going to be... I, I really think that, you know, as a public health measure, I think it's something we're going to have to consider seriously because um, if you look in China, for instance, the kids in school are using it all the time and they're ahead of us in the curve and all of that. Yeah, we mentioned the Denmark um, approach earlier on, Greg, in, the, in that the, the in Denmark, every Sunday evening, the government provide a, P, a free PCR test. You can queue up and get it. Uh, give your email. You'll have your result early the following morning. Uh, you either then go to work or not. You either then go to school or not. You don't have to wear any mask. And they're way ahead of the curve than we are. Yeah, 
that sounds very efficient. Is it PCR or antigen? It's, it's PCR they give. It's it's at the government's expense, and it ain't cheap, I'd say. Oh, it is not cheap. No, yeah, yeah. Fair news. If you can afford to do that, it's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, well, I suppose if it's 12 euros for a cup of coffee, they can afford it. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sure if you can answer this one, Greg. If you've recovered from, a co- uh, from COVID and you have a cert, do you still need to do a PCR rapid antigen to an- enter the country? I think the answer to that is yes. Uh, so in general, uh, from a doctor's perspective, uh, Greg, how, how fast is the booster program rolling out? And, and what's your medical opinion on how it's going? Right. Uh, the booster program is rolling out fine. I think we have been slow and tardy in, in getting it started. We could be, I would guess, a month ahead of the curve from where we actually are. It was slow to get going, but it is going well now. And um, uh, personally speaking, we're lashing it out in the surgery and it's, it's going very well. But uh, the City Hall is also giving out vaccines at a ferocious rate. I see people freezing in the queues there, but they are going out. I know that. Okay, and as a person on the front line, as, as it were, just some general advice to people. A lot of people are worried with the changing and rapidly uh, escalating restrictions that are coming in now, worried about travel, worried about socialising, worried about Christmas. Uh, is it really just a case of ramp up the old reliables, like the uh, sanitisation of hands and the social distancing and the constant adherence to mask wearing? 100% it is, and um, without sounding like the prophet of doom, I read this morning whereby the medical department um, advising the British government gave a very stark warning about the new variant, um, the uh, um, um, Omicron. Omicron. Omicron variant, yeah. and they are predicting an overwhelming next wave from that, uh, so I think... You know that when they get a cold, when they sneeze in the UK, we get a cold here. So I, I'd say we need to adopt the measures you mentioned and adopt them going forward for, for the foreseeable future. Okay. Uh, and you reckon this COVID will be around for years to come in various variants and forms? Well, we'll be jostling with it for the next two to three years in one shape or form, that's for sure, yeah. Okay. Dr. Greg Murphy, thanks. I'll let you back to your busy clinic. Uh, Dr. Greg Murphy from Rochetown Clinic. Thanks for coming on at very short notice. You're welcome, Mick. Thanks. All the best. Cheers. Bye-bye. Let's go to line one on different business and to Shona. Hi, Shona. Hi. Okay, the world's gone bonkers. Yeah, it sure is. It's gone mental altogether. Okay, now you were escorted out of a store in town. Can you please not mention the name of the store? We'll have to, uh, we'll be in trouble, as they say. No problem at all. Okay, what happened? Um, So I went in to get something and I walked in the main door um, and a woman straight away shouted, a... she just shouted at, at, like she shouted at me. She's in the post. We just she said about a mask, and I said I asked her for her manners because she shouted across the shop, and I kept walking and I went to a counter and I was being served. The girl was chatting away, and all of a sudden she just said, "Oh look, sorry, I actually can't serve you," and I said, "Can I ask why?" And she said, "Because you don't have a mask." And I said, "Look, I'm I'm actually exempt. I have a doctor's letter," and she said, "I still can't serve you." So I turned to my left. And there was a security guard standing there, and he said I couldn't be served; that I had to leave the shop. Wow! Even though yeah. you carried the medical exemption, sir. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. and I offered to show it, and he didn't want to see it, and he told me that it's government mm-hmm. policy. So I asked him, "Could I see this government policy?" And he took uh, this letter out of his suit pocket, and it was actually a letter from the shop. Nothing stated on it that it was legal or that it was a government policy, and I said that to him. And he said that I could actually scan this barcode thing and that it would bring me to the website and it would explain. But it also just brought me to the shop website. It didn't say it was legal. Okay. And what did the... Uh, you, you were called a name 
by yeah. you, what what you claim as an American woman. Did you recognize the accent or something? Or yeah, yeah, I did. That actually happened in town on Monday. Um, what were you called? Was, uh, she called me a skank. A skank. And told, uh, yeah, and taught me to shoe and started shooing her hand like I was the dog. Wow, I know where I'd give her a shoe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Into the gob. Yeah. So I just, I just think people don't smile at anybody anymore. People are so nasty and don't stop to think that if someone's not wearing a mask, there's a reason. Yeah, they, 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 they feel it upon themselves that they must question, uh, yeah. you know, and, and question whether people are vaccinated or not. Um, so what, what are you meant to do? Hold up the medical cert in front of you as you go through the shop? Um, she said to me, oh, I don't see your badge. And I said, excuse me, I said, I don't wear a badge. I'm not a dog. She said, I should have a badge on to say that I'm exempt. So I should walk around with this badge. Okay. Would you would you not hold a cert in your hand? You shouldn't have to, but I it, shouldn't have to. I think that's actually what's wrong with the world nowadays. Like people are all worried about what everyone else is doing instead of minding their own business and getting on with themselves. Okay. You look after you and leave everybody else to look after them. But if you're exempt from wearing a mask, are you not obliged then to wear one of the uh, you know the transparent face no. shields? No, I don't have to wear a face shield. It, it says that on. On my letter, I don't have to wear, wear a face covering at all. Okay. And to be honest, even if I wasn't exempt, I wouldn't be wearing one anyway. Okay, I'm I'm very curious as to why you're exempt, but it's none of my business, so I'm not even going to ask you, right? You yeah, are no, exempt. No, no. You are exempt, and you have the medical cert. Yeah, I do. Okay, uh, and you find it difficult in general in shops in town? Yeah, I do. I do. I was actually in another in another store, and two people came in, and there were. Off, off their heads on something and one had no mask on and the other had her mask down below her chin which is well known to the guards but I didn't know her at the time um, she started shouting and roaring this happened Monday at, as well inside in town uh, she started shouting and roaring at me and the poor person that was with her said he was going to knife me when I got outside the door that I'm a beautiful looking girl but I won't be beautiful for much longer wow. when he catches me um, even though he had no mask on himself and the girl's mask was down below her chin but she was roaring and screaming about me not wearing a mask thing. And were they being tackled me. by security? No, no, I actually pushed, pushed the people on inside there because I was actually queuing to pay and, but this is what I mean by everybody, like, I just think the world's gone bonkers because no one, like, sees if someone is okay, there's no one interferes. I was standing in the queue being served so I, so I was waiting to go to a till and she passed me roaring and screaming she was screaming it into my face and I was like, I'm about five foot three, I'd say. She was at least six foot four. I would have given her. She was huge. So I was looking up at her and she and she was looking down. She was screaming and roaring and there wasn't one member of staff came over and pulled her. Um, she walked in the end of the shop. She was still screaming about me. And just before I was served, I, look at, I looked at the girl on the till and I said, excuse me, I said, is anybody going to do something about this? I said, are people allowed to speak to others in the shop like this? I said, is there anybody going to do something? And she just kind of looked. Yeah, do you, do you feel they're just picking on the easy targets then? Um. Well, that girl that day, I think it wasn't even about a mask because her mask was down below her chin. I think she was just looking for an argument. But I do think they pick, pick and choose because in the shop that I had told you earlier that I was walked out of and asked to leave, uh, I actually know a person that works in that shop and she told me there's no policy mm-hmm. and she serves people without a mask. Okay. Oh, I feel for you because it, it can't be easy to be going in place. You can't be holding the cert up. You're not going to wear a badge. You're not going to be labelled like a dog, as you said. Yeah. Um, but a little bit more empathy from people to say, sorry, why aren't you wearing a mask? Sorry, I'm exempt. Yeah. I'm exempt. Oh, yeah. do, you mind oh if I, do, do you mind if I check that you are? Uh, no, no problem. Here's my cert. Oh, okay. Sorry for troubling you. 
That doesn't happen yeah. anymore. It's, hey, why aren't you wearing a mask? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But All I right. have no problem with people in shops asking me, like as in workers. Of course. Posters, but they don't. They shout from across the shop in front of everyone and they make a scene. Yeah, I was in a Portugal a couple of weeks ago. All of these staff in hospitality and in shops, every one of them wearing masks non-stop. Nobody else was uh, requesting. None of the members of the public were having to wear yeah. I, I think that's changing now in Portugal, uh, where you have to wear them on public transport and in shops and that kind of thing. But back then, a few weeks ago, it, yeah. absolutely nobody in the, in the general public, in bars, in shops and restaurants, were wearing masks at all. Yeah, but people even in the shops that are working there, half the workers don't have the mask on properly anyway. It's down below their nose, so I don't know what the big the big panic is because they're not wearing a mask properly anyway. I, I don't know how people wear masks eight hours a day to work. I honestly don't. No, no. And then, like, for them to be bringing them into school, I have a son myself. He's six. He just turned six. He's autistic. Now, he won't have to wear one at the moment, but I actually, his dad checked him from school a few weeks ago, and he was five at the time, and his dad checked him with a mask on his face. Okay, some text coming in. Uh, this one's a little critical of you. Does this girl realise that everyone else is wearing masks and doing what they're doing to protect people like her with underlying medical conditions? I understand that, but not all of them are like that because a lot of them attack. So they're not going to protect because they're judgmental and they attack you. They don't ask, ask you, are you exempt? They attack you mm-hmm. and insult you. Uh, here's, here's another one, a bit critical as well of you. Hi Mick, if that lady with the mask exemption was being rescued from a house fire, which she refused to wear the oxygen mask. That's kind of a bit of a smart one, that's isn't it? Com- that's completely different. Completely yeah. different. Completely different. So where where do you go from here? Are you just going to continue to to allow yourself to be criticised? Or are you going to make an, an attempt to maybe display the, the cert as you walk in? Or, or wait um, to be criticised, or what? To be honest, I, I think it's a, it's kind of it's a hard one to say, but I think I just have to leave it all over my head. Like I'm not going to win either way, so just leave it over my head. But but I won't walk around with, with my search out. I shouldn't have to. Okay. Listen, Shona. Thanks for that, and thanks for not mentioning any of the shops involved either. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Thanks very much. Thanks. All the best. Bye bye. It's twenty six and a half minutes after eleven now. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Eleven thirty. Good morning, Edward. How's it going? Very good. You have a point to make about Shona's call, not wearing the mask. I do indeed. Look, I suppose, look, I suppose I'm one of the people, I'm not vaccinated at all, right? But I mean, the one line that came out of her there a while ago was, um, uh, I, I'm exempt, but even if I wasn't, they wouldn't be wearing one anyway. Do you know what yeah, I mean? So I, you're only going out looking for trouble in that case, like, you know what I mean? Yeah, I heard that, but I let it go at the start of the interview. Yeah, she wouldn't yeah, wear one I, anyway, I, is what she said. Second, second, that's what I heard, and I straight away, and look, I'm, I'm not vaccinated, you know, I, now I do wear my mask and things like that. But I'm I, I'm kind of one of the people. I'm not an anti-vaxxer as such, like. But I mean, I wear my mask. You know what I mean. I do my bit for other people around that. I just, you know, I just I choose not to put a vaccine into my body, and that's fair enough. Look, there are my own reasons. There, there are very conscientious, that. well-educated opinions, uh, you know, that are being upheld uh, by people in this community to do exactly what you're doing, not to put the vaccine into their body. Exactly. I mean, look, I suppose it started off like, look, like people were being told, look, lads, you could go out there to the pub and you could do A, B, C, D if you get this. And now everyone went to it and done it. Now you're being told if you don't get these boosters that you're not going to have the same uh, freedoms anymore. So, look, I'm kind of waiting to see what way all that pans out. It's still in clinical trials in 2023. Those are my reasons. But look, I, you know, I still sanitize my hands. I wear my mask. I do all that. But yeah, that girl was just looking for looking for trouble there, like you know what I mean. Okay, can I just put it to you, though that incrementally, piece by piece, uh, there's less and less that you can do 
unless you produce the cert in, in that those who aren't vaccinated are finding it more and more difficult to socialise in any meaningful way. Well, look, I, I suppose, again, each to their own, but I, I, I'm kind of wondering where, excuse my French, the balls of the Irish people are gone. Like, at what point is that, at what point do people say, right, enough is enough. We were, we were promised the sun, the moon, the stars with the first jab, then the second jab. Now it's booster. It'll be another booster in another six months or five months. They're saying there needs to be a gap. Um, it, uh, it's the whole thing is still a clinical trial until 2023. Um, like it's still actually being studied. Like uh, and people are just running into these lines to inject themselves with this stuff that they're being told. Okay, you need one. Okay, you need another one. Okay, you need a booster one. And there's all these variants coming out now. And, and like I know the studies aren't finished now yet, but the Omicron Omicron uh, variant is, is coming out and it's it could be way less effective at all or completely ineffective against or the vaccine could be completely ineffective against that that variant so I, I, I'm just not putting any of that crap into my body really until I know what the story with what everything is until the way it, it pans out you know what I mean Yeah I had an anti-vaxxer send me a text last night to say that Omicron is an anagram for moronic you change all the letters around and jumble them around you get moronic he said they're really really taking the uh, extracting the urine now shall we say as I said, look, I'm not anti-vax by any means. My kids have their MMR. I have, I've had, had all those, you know, the MMRs. You know, the ones that were studied over the course of a decade, but something that was done after two years of mass produce. And, like, I, I suppose there's people, you know, dropping dead from it. There's the heart conditions being, you know, flaring up all over it. There's, there's, I just don't trust it. Like, I suppose, look, I'm young. My family is young. Um, I, I take my chances with COVID for now until they figure out what actually works because, as I said... I mean, when 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 COVID nineteen first came into Ireland, I remember I was sat in a restaurant in Douglas, and I remember the, uh, a member of the staff in there turning around and saying to me, "Yeah, that's the first confirmed case of COVID now in Cork," and it was up in the CUH. Um, and, and since then, like it's been okay. You need to get this jab. Okay, wear gloves. I remember. I remember we were all going around supermarkets wearing gloves. That was the thing that we had to do. So I mean, they're changing it every bloody ten minutes. So look, I, I kind of I go along with it all when it's I suppose when it's when it's stable and they actually know exactly what's going on you know what I mean but they don't know what's going on and there's all these variants now popping up and it's, yeah. it's a waste of time but I'll, I'll wear my mask I'll do that you know um, I won't get the vaccine that's my own decision same with my family um, and strictly down to the fact that I, I, I just don't I just don't want to be putting something to my body that is still in clinical trial yeah, I, Whereas I, I, you know, I gave my kids their MMRs and mum's means to rebel. I gave them all that. These things are were studied for you know decades, if not longer. You know what I mean? So tried and tested, yeah. yeah, yeah, I, exactly. Whereas this isn't. You know what I mean? Not to make light uh, of the situation, I also got the meme last night going around about one of the big farmers where the you know shot one and shot two is it's a loyalty card meme, right? The shot it's, one it's and shot money, two are, are marked money. off. Look, it, 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 it's all money, and there's no there's no two like there's that, that's fact. Like it, it, it's all money, and I mean. Look, I mean, even the antigen test that the, the government scrapped the subsidy of that, I mean, it's still free for them. Even the Kion Carl inside the doll was surprised when he had an argument with a, a TD in there saying it's not free for us. And he actually was corrected by a member of staff in the doll and told him that it is free for them. It's a different ball game for them. How embarrassing. You know, on, on this meme anyway, after booster number nine, you get a free toaster. And I know that's kind of you making light I mean? of the situation. Like, this, 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 this is going to be the crack, like, you know what I mean? Like, they'll... They'll be like, look, get your, or get your 158 booster there, lads, and you'll get a gaff, like, you know what I mean? Like, it'll, it'll be no time at all before you won't be able to get a council house without getting a vaccine. What, like, what do you make of Michael O'Leary's comment to say it's Neffet government gobbledygook? Uh, look, I, I mean, look, I, I, like, I'm not, as I said, look, I'm not anti-vax, but I'm not, I don't trust this, the situation either. 
Okay. And there's definitely like, like like it's it's evidential. Like we know things go on behind the scenes amongst global governments that we don't we just don't know about. And there's definitely a hundred percent something not right with this. Like everybody was told, if you got your jab, you'd have your freedom. And and this is what this is what they're having the balls to say to us now. You'll have your freedom if you inject this into your body. And people then who aren't looking into anything are like, oh yeah, well, they'll run away down to the doctor so they can go down and have a point to Heineken. And then they're being told six months later, all right, you need another one or you won't have those freedoms anymore. Okay, now you need a booster or no, you won't have those freedoms anymore. I mean, at one point, are people going to think, right, lads, there's something up here, like, you know what I mean? Mm. At one point, they probably will. Edward, thanks a million. No, butter. Cheers. Thanks, Thanks, cheers. Uh, now, let's get to some of the... A couple of uh, interesting things in the papers today. The bookies have cut the odds of snow at Christmas. Uh, odds on a white Christmas have been slashed. Uh, despite Med Aaron predicting above average temperatures right through the month, Boyle Sports have trimmed the price for a flurry on December 25th at Dublin Airport from 6 to 1 down to 5 to 1. Uh, the firm is offering the same odds at Cork Airport, 5 to 1. Sarah Kinslow, spokesperson for Boyle Sports, said some forecasters are predicting the coldest December for some time, with punters getting their bets on early. We've had to uh, make a white Christmas in Dublin, 5 to 1 from 6 to 1, while Belfast is 4 to 1. It's more northerly, of course, in latitude, down from 5 to 1. An increasing number of punters are expected to win. And I'm not sure how this will go with your uh, 11s coffee, but diners with a taste for the unusual are in for a treat from today. Mayonnaise mixed with Terry's chocolate orange. I kid you not. Creator Heinz Heinz says the sweet festive concoction is for slathering on crumpets or pancakes or even eating straight from the jar. Uh, not a fan of Terry's chocolate orange. Some of my family love it, but not for me. The creamy condiment, usually added to savoury sandwiches and salads, has been transformed just in time for Christmas. Heinz's experts have blended mayonnaise made with free-range eggs, vinegar and mustard seeds with melted Terry's chocolate orange segments and added a dose of orange oil. They said, we are always innovating and love creating fun new limited edition products that we know our fans will love. You can eat it straight out of the jar if you wish. We're not judging. Yeah, you do what you do, and it's a Christmas after all. But the chocolate mayo has split fans, with some saying they cannot wait to try it, and others thinking it sounds disgusting. And uh, now then, one one before we take a break, just one quick look at the flight prices for coming into Ireland. My thanks to Seamus Whelan for compiling these. Flights are based on one, a- one adult uh, coming to Cork and uh, carry-on luggage and departing 23rd of December, staying for Christmas until the 3rd of January. And prices quoted here are via Skyscanner. If you want a direct flight on Ryanair from Stansted on the 23rd and back from Cork to Stansted on the 3rd of January, it's €334. Aer Lingus, Heathrow to Cork, same dates, €638. Direct from Chicago uh, into Dublin, this is now not Cork. Chicago, Dublin and Dublin, Chicago, 23rd to the 3rd of January, €1,860. Euro. New York uh, to Dublin, New York and uh, Dublin back to New York, 1647. Dubai, 1331. It's expensive to travel at Christmas time. Uh, Dubai via Amsterdam, much cheaper. If you don't take the, uh, the direct flight from Dubai, there are very cheap options out there, but you're sacrificing your time uh, for that uh, saving, okay? So it's 426. Uh, Sydney via Doha, Sydney to Dublin via Doha and back to Sydney. Uh, X Dublin via Doha, 2,254. Chicago via Heathrow Airport. Uh, you'll be paying to come into Cork, 2,774. That's returned back out as well, of course. All of these are returned. Boston uh, via Amsterdam. You'll come in from Boston to Amsterdam and straight into Cork at 2,613. 
and New York via Amsterdam. Uh, that is €2,009. So it is very expensive uh, to be coming home for Christmas. Now then, uh, let's go to Laura on line one. And um, good morning, Laura. Good morning. How are things? Very good. Now, you're just like home hamper. Uh, you want to nominate your brother Cormac Byrne. Tell us why. Um, Cormac is in the Lebanon. He went over in the end of October. They did two weeks um, isolation first up in the Wicklow Mountains and then they did two weeks in the Lebanon when they got over. Okay. And they don't get to come home this time because of COVID and everything. And because of the isolation, they're actually gone for about seven months instead of the usual six. Okay. That's tough. It is tough. He has um, three kids at home. He has um, Owen, Kayla and Ethan and uh, they're 21 seven and two. So he won't be here for Christmas and a lot of the lads over there have kids and I just think that the hamper would give them a huge morale boost, I think, to cheer them up no end. And is it, that's a definite, they won't be in for Christmas? No, no, definitely not. They're not allowed. Leave okay. it all, they won't be back till May. So I think to cheer them up. Now I do send them bits and pieces in the post but they take weeks to get there so even though I sent them something in the end of October surprise for him um, some jellies and stuff they still haven't gotten yet okay. so you know uh, they, they could do a morale booth and pick me up I imagine not just at Christmas time anybody serving uh, who has to serve abroad that every trip is hard every trip away must be hard yeah this is his sixth trip he's 23 years in the army and this is his sixth trip over he's done four in the Lebanon he did one in Chad one in East Timor and he did other two other trips just to Sweden over the years for a couple of weeks here and a couple of weeks there. So it is hard. It's hard for his wife and kids at home as well, you know. So, um, yeah, I think I think to be good for them, I think to give them a, a pick up, you know. Uh, of course, in, in, in the service of your country, it, it, it's a noble profession. There are noble and altruistic reasons for doing it. Is there financial consideration for serving abroad? Is it to just bring up that that take home a little bit? I, I think, I know, I could, I'm not too sure, but I think that when you're in there for so long, you have to do so many trips. You're, you're, you have to, you don't have a choice. Mm-hmm. And um, I think this time, because of COVID, they do ask people, do they want to go? But because of COVID, a lot of people didn't want to go. So I think it was just he, his time was to go. He had to go, you know. Okay, so because they had to quarantine two weeks here before they left and then two weeks over there when they got there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they had to do two weeks up the Wicklow Mountains. Wow. And um, he, he didn't tell us he was going until the week before because he doesn't like a fuss made. And, you know, he'd be upset. And um, when he was going, um, we did, I didn't get to say goodbye to him. And uh, I took my daughter to Dublin Airport. She was going to Amsterdam with her, her boyfriend. And I stayed overnight and I was coming back. And I went into Junction 8 for my own McDonald's. Okay. And I decided that uh, I came out and I said I'd go back in and get little plates for my son because he was doing his fairy test that day. And I went in and whatever way I looked over my shoulder, the whole lot of the army lads were coming down the stairs. They were actually on the way to the Wicklow Mountains. Oh. And uh, I met my brother in the, in the garage in the forecourt. Just by so. pure, pure chance. Pure, pure coincidence. We didn't, I didn't even know he was going up that day. And he hadn't and told you because he didn't want that. to upset you, was it? No. Here he didn't want to just to say the goodbyes, you know, he kind of had to say goodbye to the kids and stuff and he just, you know, he was just doing his bit, he was just getting on with us and um, I met him up in the forecourt and they all looked the same in their uniform or whatever way, I just looked to the side, I spotted him so it was great to say goodbye to him. 
Okay, so you did get to say some sort of goodbye to him after all. I did. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. but then you were kind of expecting him back in, in not short order, but in in a certain time frame. Uh, you know, we, they knew before they were going that they wouldn't get back for Christmas because of, because of the COVID, because they would have to quarantine again and again. So, And that would drive it out for, for another couple of weeks. So they knew going over that they, they wouldn't be back for okay. several months. And he's got three kids, Owen, who's 21, Ethan, who's six, and Kayla, who's three. Are they proud of Daddy? Oh, yeah, 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 they they are. They do get to talk to him on, on um, Zoom calls and stuff, you know, but that's not, it's not the same as talking to them in at night and no, reading them their bedtime stories and stuff, you know. Oh, okay. Well, look, I'm not on the judging panel here for hampers, but I th- I do think that uh, one deserves to go his way. But we'll have to leave that to the, to the judges. I can't promise anything. It's a lovely story, though. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they will, because you know what? Now they're over there, and you know it, it would do them. It would really, really boost their spirits, especially with Christmas and everything. And he's done and his country a service because this is his sixth foreign trip abroad in his 23 yeah. years with the army, and now in the yeah. Lebanon. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank God for zooming away. But as you say, it's not uh, it's not yeah. the same as tucking them in. No, no, it's not. But you know, it's still. All right. Listen, we'll play, a, we'll play a Christmas song for him anyway. And uh, of course, you're up for consideration for one of those hampers. Great I think song. it would lift morale greatly if they got it. And I'm sure yeah. he'd be passing it around as well. Oh, he would, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks a million. All right, Luke. Thanks. Thanks. All the Bye. best. That is Laura Lee. Well done. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas to you. Uh, you can check out the Just Like Home hampers at justlikehome.ie. And if anybody else wants to nominate a family member, then please email neil at redfm.ie or normal show email neil at redfm.ie. <laughs> Nat King Cole's daughter Natalie a gorgeous Christmas song sadly Natalie no longer with us either and that is No More Blue Christmases now from a member of the medical profession uh, who doesn't want to be named uh, but uh, please read this text out don't quote me please or my name but after testing positive up to nine months later you more than likely will have a positive result in PCR or antigen that's why it's so important to get the COVID-19 recovery certificate on completion of your 10-day isolation and recovery of symptoms. So if travel is on your agenda and you've recovered from COVID, and if you're wondering about the PCR or antigen status or the results you'll get if you go for it to return to Ireland, you more than likely will have a positive result in PCR or antigen. That's why it's important to secure the COVID-19 recovery certificate on completion of your 10-day isolation and recovery of symptoms. We're back in a moment. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. And our final call of the day goes to Tony. Good morning, Tony. Morning, Michael. How are you? Very good. I've got about 90 seconds for you to tell us all about Tuesday the 7th of December and what's going on. We're holding a concert of hope, a Christmas concert of hope in the Church of the Resurrection in Farnley next Tuesday night at half past seven till about quarter to ten, half past nine, quarter to ten. It could be a mixture of festive music, Irish ballads and hymns, and all the proceeds are for the parish and the church. Admission is five euros at the door, and everybody is welcome. Okay, that was very quick, so let's re- recap on all of that. All happening next Tuesday, the 7th of December. It's in a lovely part of the city, in a lovely church, Farmanry, and I know all of the houses up there are always brightly decorated as well, so you could travel. You don't have to be from Farmanry to be there. Tickets are €5 euro available on the door, and the music includes ballads, Christmas songs, and hymns as well. And all proceeds will go to the church itself and, and the general community, is it? Yeah, 
That's right. And the music is by the Topsy Brothers and Friends. The Topsy Brothers and Friends. So it's going to be ballads and Christmas songs and hymns. And everybody's welcome. You've got a capacity of what with current restrictions? About maybe 200? Well, we're, we're unsure at the moment. To be honest, the restrictions are changing so often. We honestly sure. don't know. Yeah. But we're, we're, hoping, we're hoping that we'll... That we'll have, that we'll have a number of people that we're hoping... All right. ...that people will actually turn up. You know what I mean? Well done. Thank, thanks, Tony. Uh, next Tuesday, Thank 7th you. of Thanks December. Thank you. Uh, starting at what time? Starting at half a seven. Half seven, five euros on the door. Thanks a million, Tony. Thanks, Mick. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. One final bit of business. Hi, Mick. I'm listening to you on my way to work in my van in Boston, Massachusetts. Happy Christmas to my parents. Uh, the forests in Rushbrook in Cove. The Magritte's in Cove. And I can't wait to see Nana Mary at Christmas in Boston. Merry Christmas to you, Mick. And your family, God bless for now. Mike and uh, Mike Forrest and Abigail and Christopher and Michelle. Just uh, about wrapping up the Neil Prendival show for today. My thanks to Brenda Dennehy and the team for the uh, wonderful production as always. We've news at 12 on the way. And I'll talk to you again tomorrow morning after news at 9. Tune in to the Neil Prendival show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM.